What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Shaggin' Flies. We have a great episode for you today. Our guest is Sung Min Kim. If you're not familiar with Sung Min, he has written a whole lot about baseball. He's written for Fangraphs, for Deadspin, for the Washington Post. He is a fantastic baseball writer and has recently been working for the KBO over in Korea. He actually joined us for this episode from Seoul, Korea, where he's living now. Uh, we got to talk a lot about uh, his time working for the KBO, uh, what it was like for him immigrating over to the U.S. at a young age, his time at University of Maryland College Park. Uh, it was just a blast to talk to him, and I'm so glad he was able to join us. So enough of the intro. Enjoy our conversation with Sungmin Kim. Place, so. Oh, it's like the most expensive place. <laughs> so you know, um, and I mean, it was like between that and Maryland, and Maryland is like much cheaper than George Washington. So I didn't really, oh didn't yeah, really, did, didn't even really think about it. But they got a really nice campus, George Washington. I visited there. Oh many my times. god, yeah, yeah. Their campus is like just downtown DC, which is great. It's like literally like just the area of Foggy Bottom in DC is like the campus and it's it's beautiful yeah. yeah it was one of the three places that i was looking at for my masters uh, too but it was the same thing it was like dc was super cool but then they gave me like no money so and it was oh more yeah expensive, so. yeah i got in i got in there for masters too but um mm-hmm. and th- they actually gave me some money this time but i ended up deciding elsewhere so mm-hmm. where are you going for your masters yeah um nyu oh nyu that's right that's right i knew that yeah, I was actually I was actually going to ask about that. Do we want to talk about Matt now, or do you want to do any introductions? We or can. Well, or? well, I mean, first thing, <laughs> I don't the know. very very first thing I want to do is Sungmin. Thank you for being here on the podcast. It's exciting to have you. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I got to give a quick shout out at the top of the show by uh the quick shout out to alex my friend alex who uh is a mutual friend of ours so it's kind of funny so i i've known i've known you sungman for your writing for a while now and probably Mm -hmm. about a year ago alex was like oh i meant to ask you uh since you like baseball because alex is not very into baseball at all so you like baseball you know uh you know a guy named uh sungman kim and i'm like uh (laughs) Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've read his stuff before. He's like, oh, yeah, he's an old friend of mine from, from college. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew him from like the, you know, we dormed. We were in the same dorm uh, for for a year or so. And we did, uh, I think he, you guys did uh, honors college or whatever it was called. Something like that. Scholars. Together. Uh, scholars. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um and I was he was like yeah I should connect you two sometime I'm like yeah and then when he messaged you a couple weeks ago he was like we were talking about the podcast and he was like oh I should say if Sungmin wants to do your podcast I'm like yeah that'd be awesome and he's like oh I'll message him now <laughs> it's just like and, it was just the weirdest we yeah it's just the funniest <laughs> connection um, but Alex actually gave me a few uh, UMD specific questions for you sung man so i'm very excited yeah oh well i was okay well that's gonna be fun 
Yeah, it, it will absolutely be fun. But literally um, but, know him from freshman year of college. Um, yeah, we were in the same scholars program, so it was like a it was a community, and mm-hmm. um, it was a you know college park scholars. Um, they had different branch like branches sections of the program, and they were like there were like a journalism media or media there was also like international studies um some kind of science things we were in arts um right yeah because he was a uh he was a theater major so yeah yeah so but uh when I, yeah. so when when you i don't know how it works right now but back in 2010 when you were admitted to maryland and you were admitted to scholars they give you a choice of hey which um, which scholars program would you like to be a part of? And I was given some choices, and there were there were and there were like good choices, and I had to rank them. And I I was like, you know, I was back in back back then. I was really really into like music and mostly music and some arts like drop painting and some drawing that kind of stuff. But um, that, that's why I chose arts, and that's how I got to meet Alex. What I didn't anticipate is that there were a lot of theater people in that program. A lot. Um, really? So, you know, every Tuesday was like, every Tuesday, this is like back when Glee was big. So every Tuesday in that <laughs> dorm, um, they had like, they had like a big Glee viewing parties in the dorm. Oh my I God. Think I, <laughs> I think I partook <laughs> on it only once. And you know, I mean, I respect people who like theater and I respect the theater itself, but it wasn't really my thing. So yeah, no, you know, I get that. I get that. I was mostly into just playing my guitar with my one of my roommates uh, in my room. That was pretty much it. That is awesome. That's great. I I am also a guitarist, so that's I love it. What do you play? What uh What kind of guitar do you have? Right now, I don't have any because I because when I was moving back from the states to Korea, um, you know, it was kind of tough to fit everything in into the luggage. Oh, yeah. and guitar was sure, one of yeah. them. So um, mm, yeah. I had an electric. I had an electric. Um, it was like one of the one of the cheaper, like a Squire Stratocasters. So um, that's you know. those Squires are solid. Like for for like cheaper little guitars, uh, they they play pretty well. Oh. They're pretty nice. It's all like if you're a, I yeah I have a Squire sitting right here and it's done great for me for twelve years. Yeah, as like a non serious yeah, yeah. guitar player. I mean, like if you want to be like real like professional recording type stuff then okay like maybe maybe upgrade a little bit but i feel like for 95 percent of people who play the guitar oh it's it like... it works just <laughs> fine you know so jack white has this whole thing where he says it doesn't matter what kind of guitar you're playing or what equipment you're playing it matters how you are as a guitarist like you know his argument would be if you put david gilmore on like a homemade crappy electric right. guitar of, of like wood and a magnet he would still sound like David Gilmore, like it won't matter. Mm-hmm. So, which I agree to an extent, but then like I saw Jack White once and he was playing a really beat up, horrible acoustic guitar that sounded terrible. And I was like, Jack, I understand your point, <laughs> but please play a different guitar because <laughs> this <one> sounds awful. <laughs> but anyways, so what I do want to start with though, so um, Sungman, uh, where where are you from originally? I, I know you're in Seoul right now. Are you originally from Seoul? Yes, or, I am. Uh, you are. Okay. Is born, that so? Born in Seoul. Um, born in Seoul, and then uh, at what point did you come to the U.S.? Uh, I 
I landed on US for the first time on June, June 9, I believe it was June 18th, 2002. Okay. It, yeah, it, it was a flight from Incheon International Airport to the, uh, I think it was JFK Airport in your city. Because we were, okay. we were set, we were living in um, New Haven area in Connecticut at, at the time, and that was probably the closest international airport um, at the, um, from there. Sure. Yeah, yeah that ma- that makes sense. Um, so, how old were you? I was eleven. Okay. 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 Cool. So you so you so you came to the U.S. at a pretty young age. What uh what brought your family over to the U.S. Yeah, my dad had a job at the time, and my dad got a job in that area at the time, and it was just, it was pretty much just, you know, the family following him over there. Sure. Yeah, makes, um, what's, your, what's your dad do? Um, he's like he, he's like a doctor slash research scientist. Oh, so wow. we're we're pretty different. <laughs> no that's that's awesome though hey that's you do you do a lot of research for for baseball there's there's tons of research involved in baseball right oh my god the threads work so yeah 11 is a interesting time to to move move across the ocean were there any um i don't know what were some of the biggest uh i don't want to say like culture shocks necessarily but just like i don't know most memorable changes or things that you know uh were different to you. They were very striking when you when you came over. Honestly, just I mean, everything is different. You know, um, the language is different. Uh, the what they serve in the lunch cafeteria is different. Like, you know, like um, growing up in Korea, like lunch times at the school, you know, they kind of serve you more like a Korean stuff, like rice and some side dishes, that kind of stuff, but. But also the portion was limited, so you know you kind of you kind of stand on the line, and they give you a certain amount of portion, and you're kind of stuck with that. But in the U.S., apparently, if you had the means, if you could pay more, um, you could just eat as much as you want, which was kind of a shocker for me. And I also love also very that, on brand for the United States. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But I also really enjoyed. I mean, I guess like ever since I was younger, like I always I also really liked the Western food. Um, like every time when I was younger, like every time we went out for like um, pizza or um, like a fast food or anything like that, that was like a special occasion for me. And when I moved to the U.S., every, it was like that every day on lunchtime. And <laughs> one of the first things that I remember about the middle school cafeteria, American middle school cafeteria experience is that uh, the first time that I have ever had like a, I think I think it was a mashed potato and gravy that, you know, I, I thought that was like the most delicious thing ever. Oh man. And you had like, you had like middle school cafeteria version. <laughs> right. So like, that's like Powdered. the lowest, like, that's like, man, you got to have some good. If you had some like good homemade mashed potatoes and gravy. I mean, yeah, later on yeah. I got to have some of the homemade ones, but, um, oh, so good. It, Back then, it was like everything was so new to me. And yeah, yeah. Never Same. tasted anything like uh, you know gravy before before then. So <laughs> I love I, I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> was was there anything? So like I know you can get like like you were talking about like American food in in Seoul and in Korea and like any 
most places in the world, they have places where you can get American food. But was there anything really different when you came over here where you ex- you were expecting it to be one thing based on what the the Korean interpretation of American food was? And it was just like, because, you know, you go to if you go to Mexico with nothing but like Chipotle for reference, you're going to be surprised. <laughs> Stuff like oh, yeah. that. So, um <clears throat> I mean, there, I could go on on and on about it, but I think the biggest impression that I got back then is that uh, I guess it was the portion size because as soon as we first landed in JFK, um, you know, we've been in air, we've been in airplane for like fourteen hours, so we were pretty hungry. So we stopped by McDonald's uh, right by the airport, and um, I couldn't believe that they gave me a huge cup for soda, and I could refill it. As much as I want, you know. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's us. <laughs> yep, and you know what? I I've never I've gotten a large soda from so many fast food places and never once refilled it. It's just so much soda. Like, hey, my friend, one of my best friends, once got in trouble for filling up a, a Chipotle for filling up a water cup with lemonade. But you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did that so many times. Later on. So many times until you get caught that one time manager yeah. came out and everything made him pour it into the trash in front of oh my god you know, that's like... <laughs> a little excessive that's pretty Jeez. counterintuitive if you think about it yeah yeah I, I, intimidation is the point i guess I, <laughs> I guess yeah man that's crazy so um so you're so you're in seoul now you grew uh born in seoul spent some time there what would you i i've heard that um Seoul, or it seems like Seoul seems like a pretty cool city. Uh, I've never been, but what would you recommend somebody who's visiting Seoul? What would you recommend they they do? Yeah, um, there's a lot to do here. Um, I, th- I mean, if it was if this if this was before before the COVID times, right, right. Much, it would be much easier to give you recommendations. But there's still a lot of things to see. I mean. Uh, obviously, I would. I mean, if you're, if you like, since you guys like baseball, I would definitely um, recommend you guys to hit up some baseball games because it's not only just Seoul, but also um, the half of the league, half of the KBO league is situated in the Seoul metro area, which includes not just Seoul but also the cities nearby, right by Seoul, like Incheon and Suwon. Um, there are three teams in Seoul, and there are. There's a team in Incheon and there's another team in Suwon, and all those five teams, were, well, their home home ballparks are um, accessible by um, subway, so mm. it's pretty good. Oh deal. wow! So you could you could go to a whole bunch of different ballparks, bunch of different games, pretty easily. I would imagine. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. That is so cool, man. I would love. I would kill if there were like, you know, five different uh, MLB ballparks I could hit like in a few hours. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm population density i imagine that may, must yeah. make for some pretty pretty intense rivalries too i can imagine yeah i think i guess as at least in seoul the most representative rivalry is between the Tucson bears and the lg twins because those those two teams share all the same ballpark hmm. oh wow the, the jamsil stadium um which is in seoul jamsil area and um i think it was built in early 80s um I think it was a part of the uh, 1988 Olympics um, venue, and they still use it. And it's one of the older, you know, ballparks in the KBO. Um, I'll, I can talk. I can talk a little more about it, but I think the defining characteristics of Jamsil Ballpark is Jamsil Baseball Stadium is that it's a huge stadium. I think it's around the same dimensions as the Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. 
So it's a pitch of oh, okay. it's a pitch of small park. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So do they do the teams? Are they like super hot rivals? Because like you know, like the Lakers and Clippers both play in the Staples Center, but they only meet once or twice a year. That rivalry is more on paper, kind of in the ether or anything. Is the league? I'm not super familiar with how the KBO is set up. So are like the teams that are sharing the same stadium, like playing each other a lot, or no? I mean, regardless of you know if you share the stadium or not, um, I guess you yeah, you got you got a you in the KBO you play every team uh 16 times a year so mm-hmm. but i guess for lg and dusan um i mean those two franchises have been have existed since the birth of the league but and i mean they changed their names throughout the history i mean they changed their names um, at least actually once each on um, throughout the history but um they've been sharing the same stadium since 1985 or 1986 i gotta check that oh. um and you know, especially when both teams are doing well during a season, I, I, the rivalry is definitely more fierce, mm-hmm. I would say. And it's pretty fun. I think they're they're supposed both teams are supposed to be pretty competitive this year, so that's something to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So not to, uh, I had another question similar to that since we're talking about the ballparks too, though. Mm-hmm, what sure, are yeah. like? Are there things that are really different in Korean ballparks that you don't see in the United States or vice versa? Is like the experience a lot different in some ways? Um, just because the game itself has so many different quirks and different um, just like there's so many cultural differences. I can imagine that extends to like the stadium and actually watching the game itself too. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, do you mean do you mean just the ballparks themselves, or just the atmosphere, or anything like that? Anything like that. I mean, is there like different or concessions set up a little bit differently, or is there something like let's put it this way? Like if you're going to like a game in in a KBO game, is there anything from an American park where you're like, dang, I wish I had this, or or vice versa, or things like you notice that are just really different about you know atmosphere, the actual physical space, whatever it might be. I think the atmosphere, physical space might be different depends on which ballpark you go to because. <laughs> Um, I mean, throughout the league, there are, there have been new ballparks built in the past decade, but they like the the NC Dinos, the Kia Tigers, the Samsung Lions. Uh, you know, they built new ballparks, uh, but there's still older ballparks from the 80s and the 90s still existing and you know kicking it right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess in terms of convenience, definitely the new the newer ballparks are I guess better to watch games on games that um in terms of concession uh, that also depends on the ballpark but i think the newer ballparks seem to have more like a better choices of food if if, if that makes sense more <laughs> wide like the so jamsil stadium that's one of the older ballparks they they kind of have the usual like the fast foods the street food and um some pretty cool things here and there um the one in Changwon, which is the the Changwon NC Park, which is the newest ballpark, the home of the NC Dinos. Um, they've had some really good. I mean, I've been there a couple of times, and they've had some really good um food. Um, throughout the ballpark, like there was a there was a barbecue stand right beyond the outfield where they where you could have pork pork belly on um, grilled right in front of you. So that was oh cool. man, oh man! <laughs> I'd be like in the outfield, being like, "Yo, what? Like, can I get some that, of that?" Yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh my god! Um, yeah. 
So I want I, I do want to take a we we definitely have a bunch more KBO questions. Um and I I can't wait to talk about that but I do want to take a brief minute because I do want to talk you're wearing your University of Maryland hoodie. Mm-hmm. You are a University of Maryland alum, a proud terp. And I have a few University of Maryland questions. Uh Yeah, sure. that uh were catered to us by Alex, uh who my friend Alex is also uh, as I mentioned a University of Maryland alum. So his questions for you. What was your favorite drunk food place on campus? On campus or outside of campus? Because or, well, those I are mean, two near, different near campus, near campus. Yeah. I have, I have two, I have two answers for that actually. Um, but the answer number one, um, there's a, there's a McDonald's. Uh, if you went to Maryland, you know, this. Um, there's a McDonald's yeah. right across the, the view apartments. And it was twenty four seven. Yep, I know that McDonald's. Yep. Yeah, twenty four seven. So, and I used to live um, in this building that was kind of behind McDonald's. It was called Parkside, and you know it was always on on my way back home after a night out. So, really yeah, convenient yeah. for me to stop by there. You know, stand on the line for a few minutes, uh, get my order in, just wait, and then get my food and go home and pass out. That was that was the routine. That's yeah. Great. What was, was the uh, other place? Uh, College Park, Maryland. I don't know if they still do it, but they had a myriad of pizza choices. Yes, um, I was going to ask you about the pizza places. I've been to, I went to one of them. What's it called? Uh, 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 Rat, Ratsy, Ratsy's? Ratsy's. 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 Yeah, they no no longer exist. Sometimes. Yeah, I know. I went there, I went there on a, uh, so Alex had a, at the, dorm building that you guys were in alex had a new year's eve party and uh we decided late on new year's eve we decided to go to ratsy's and that place was packed i mean oh my god (laughs) the number we just walked from the building to ratsy's and we walk in there and it's just jam-packed full of people and like it was good pizza I, i don't remember it being like incredible but it was solid but uh yeah so was ratsy's like your pizza place or did you have another one that you preferred I liked Ratsy's, yeah. I mean, it was by no means a very high quality stuff or anything like that, but it did. Yeah. It got the job done. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was open late. It got the job done. It scratched the itch, and that's what was important. <laughs> by, by also uh, the the fun end of that story is, uh, me and Alex and my wife went to uh, get pizza at Ratsy's. And then on our way back, we find out that uh, I guess local police had told everyone to clear out of Alex's apartment. Why? <laughs> because what of, happened? They were uh, too loud, I think, or whatever. Oh, and I think there okay. may have been a couple <laughs> underage people who slipped in there. And uh, so we get back and no one's there. <laughs> we, we leave to get pizza. We get back and the apartment's pretty much cleared out. And someone's like, yeah, everyone got kicked out. And we're just like, all right, nice and quiet now. <laughs> Got this pizza, <laughs> and we got pizza. Cool, it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, that's that's called a typical Saturday night in college. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I, yeah. Oh my god. I do love that you said McDonald's, though. Like we ask a, a lot of guest questions for like recommendations and like what's your favorite this, and sometimes like we know there's a lot of pressure to come up and think of something like good, a real good, profound answer. But now like yeah. McDonald's, when Dude. you're drunk, McDonald's hits the spot. It is what it is. Absolutely. Like, it's as, yes. It is as simple as that. So. McDonald's <laughs> is like, yet you get the McGurgles later and you kind of pay for it, but it's okay <laughs> because man, when you are, when you're 
tipsy, when you're drunk, when you're high, there is no food better than like a McDouble or a quarter pounder and some fries or whatever. Man, it's like Especially magic. between the ages of 18 and 22. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But well, yeah. Once you get, I feel like once you get older, you start eating McDonald's and you're just like, oh God, this is a horrible, horrible decision. Um, also, oh, no, I still so, like McDonald's. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it, me too. I still love it, yeah. but it, it definitely I, I just, it. The other day, they just start. They just started uh, selling the uh, fish fillet here. Oh, were I mean, they not selling it before? I mean, they did once before, and it was like years ago. So I guess they just decided to make a comeback here in Korea. So I was like, you know what? It's been five years since I had the fish fillet. <laughs> so I went and got one, and you know, it was just like how I remembered. Are, th- are there any Korean McDonald's specialties that you can't get here? I'm sure there are. Nothing yeah. off the top of my head, but um, I don't know. Whenever I go to McDonald's, just you know, I just like to get stuff like Big Mac or a um, quarter pounder, just yeah. typical Amazing American stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I just always yeah. love. I see those lists where it's like fast food items you can't get in the United States, and I feel like a lot of it is probably made up, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. man, nothing, have, uh, nothing better than just a good old quarter pounder. It's the best. I have a two Ratsy's uh, baseball-related stories. Oh, yeah, please lay them on me. The first one is um, 2012. This So this is the – I guess this must have been October or November. I guess October. Um, I was uh, watching the uh, World Series game four between the Tigers and the Giants. And uh, if you remember the Giants, I think the Giants swept the World Series um for nothing. And yeah, I just I just remember just watching. I wasn't inebriated or anything like that. I just wanted to get some food outside while watching baseball. And when when uh when Sergio Romo struck out Miguel Cabrera for the final out on the outside fastball, you know, I was munching on my pizza while and on my uh, buffalo wings out of the out of the uh, plastic out of the uh, styrofoam carton while that was happening and the Giants were just celebrating and I was just eating my wings and pizza. <laughs> That's awesome. I love the it. The other thing that I remember is um, 2013. So I had an internship, sports internship with the um, WTOP 103.45 FM radio. Yeah. So I was their sports, in- one of their sports interns that semester and my the first time ever that I got to go to a major league baseball game as a press member, it was Nationals Braves, like in September 2013, and it, it was an evening game. So you know, after the game, the press members they had to stay late to go downstairs for locker room for coach and uh, and I had to work on uh, cutting the audio on my laptop in the press box. And after that, um, uh, the metro was uh, metro was shut down. So you know, I, I kind of needed a right back to college park from nationals park so yeah. um there's this there's there's this a uh, radio guy i think he works for the fan uh 106.7 the fan his name is craig heist he's a he's kind of like a he's kind of like a legend in the uh, baltimore okay. dc area radio uh yeah, press yeah. member yeah um you know he's a nice guy uh he knows a lot of people at college park so he you know he gave me a ride back to cp and we went to ratsy's uh he, because i think i guess he was hungry or something like that so we we got to call park. He gave me some pizza. He got me. He bought me some pizza. You know, we indulged a little bit on the food at Ratsy's at past midnight. You know, it's like one of those nights. It's kind of stage with you because that was the first time you were there at 
at a baseball game as a press number, you got to be oh, yeah. in a locker room just holding mics in front of the players, all that kind of stuff. And you just end <laughs> oh your God. night at yeah. the Ratsies. Yeah. The same old yeah. Way, you know? <laughs> See, Ratsies is a special magical place. It really is. <laughs> um, other other UMD question. Where some of the best views on campus? Where were they? Best play? Good place to sit and study. Uh, it's a... Um, I've been on UMD at UMD campus a handful of times, and I agree. Alex had a, a similar belief that UMD is a big campus, but it's a very pretty campus. Uh, and I, I completely agree. So where are some of the best views on campus at UMD? I mean, it's a pretty campus on a good day. Uh, my take on UMD is that it's, you know, it's kind of a, every kind of, every building kind of looks the same because Mm. I, I swear they kind of they build it every building they build every building with the same bricks because you know they all look the same like the, build, <laughs> that, the, that the bricks true. look the same color you know yeah but that on is, a that on a true. sunny day outside it's gorgeous but on like a dreary um dusky day or whatever um you know it's just kind of whatever not not too ugly not yeah nothing, but nothing nothing too notable you know you ever um you ever get to the top of bird stadium ever hang out oh, yeah. there that is, I mean, uh, for the listeners who don't know, that is the University of Maryland's football uh, stadium. Yeah. It's a nice um, stadium. I guess it was a thing that, yeah, every every student kind of did it, you know, when they're at College Park. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I first got to College Park, apparently it was much easier to, you know, get into the stadium and just like, just yeah, like I heard that. Than, I, I heard yeah. that breaking into Bird Stadium is like a thing uh for college it's park students thing. like yeah. breaking in as in like there's like a there's like a, a a from what i was told there's like a portion of the fence where you can just kind of like go in <laughs> like you can just slide in it's not heavily locked down or anything but yeah i mean that used to be the case but apparently now you have to climb over the fence or whatever oh so. really oh so now it's yeah. a little more a little scarier okay <laughs> yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't really advise anyone to do it to be honest no yes we are not for the for the record, we here at Shag and Flags are not advising that you break and enter into University of Maryland's football stadium. We would never well, do such a know, thing. You know, if you're going to do a B&E, you might as well. Like, I would rather have <laughs> obstacles. At least they put the fence there. Because you can say that, and then you're like, oh, you just walked in. You're super cool, dude. Like, at least hop a fence so you have to get in. I just, I just love the, the sentence. Look, if you're going to do a B&E. <laughs> If you're gonna break and enter enter it somewhere, make it worth it. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, so, yeah. That's... <laughs> so, um, the the last UMD question I have for you—it's kind of a two-parter. One: How do you feel about UMD moving into the Big Ten, which they uh, they were previously in the ACC, now they're in the yeah. Big Ten? And two: As a result of that, do you miss the Maryland Duke rivalry? Because I know I do. As much as I hate Duke. And as much as I hated watching Duke beat Maryland whenever they did, they, like they miss losing I, or like or what? <laughs> you know what? Okay, but when man, when Maryland beat Duke, it was like joy of all joys. But do you? Yeah. So how do you feel about the move to Big Ten? And do you do you miss that Maryland Duke rivalry? I mean, from what I've read and heard, I mean, I was working at the Don back at the time, so, and I had friends who were covering the news when Maryland moved to Big Ten, so. You know, it just made all the financial sense to do it. So, you know, I was okay with it. Like, if the money from Big Ten, you know, goes to useful things, which I hope it did, um, why not? 
you know that's that's how yeah. bus- that's what business is yeah yeah or you're not a purist like i, I mean those probably coming mostly from big 10 folks i imagine being in chicago like midwest i hear all of the the big 10 yapping and everyone was so upset about how it's like it's 14 teams oh my god oh. That you sound like my dad. You get to beat Maryland at Rutgers every year. Congratulations! I think Maryland yeah. belongs more than Rutgers. I'll give I'll give him that. But I, I I respect that view. Honestly, it's like not should be that that yeah. big of a deal. As for the Maryland Duke thing, I mean, yeah, I think Maryland beat Duke once when I was there, and it was it was crazy. Um, it's it's a beautiful uh, feeling uh, when you get to watch when you Maryland basketball when they beat Duke and you see Mike Shishetsky's little like rat face and he's all like I'm sad and he's like yelling complaining like you didn't give us the right call ref or whatever. Oh man, it is just remember, the greatest shot in Freud yeah. you'll ever ever experience. I remember like um like a few months before I headed to Maryland. So this I was still in high school at the time, um twenty ten. Um, Maryland was host, hosting Duke and it was on ESPN. That was like, I think that was like during the ba- Vasquez era, you know, Gravis Vasquez mm, era. Gravis Vasquez, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, like Maryland was competitive at the time. They made it, I think they made it to the six, 316 that year. Um, and, or did they, did they lose to Michigan State at 316 or before? I forgot. But, um, that anyways. sounds familiar. It might be, yeah. Yeah, but that was the year, and Maryland was pretty good that year. Obviously, Duke was better, but Maryland beat Duke, and I was watching it through the TV, and it was the loudest that I've, you know, loudest that I've seen, on even even through TV of like, any any college game that I had watched up to that point. Um, I'm not sure if I'm not sure what the language is like. Is there? Can I? Can I? Can I cuss here? Oh yeah, you can. We'll 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 bleep it out. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Um, Maryland fans during the game apparently Duke had this player called Shayer, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I. I I'm, that I'm sounds familiar, up. but I, I'm. I'm. Yeah. This might be a little before my time. Oh, Shire, John Shire. Yeah, Illinois alt Illinois high school basketball legend John Shire. <laughs> yeah, it was. John, yeah, it was Shire, and um, you could hear the fans. Chanting first, you Shire. <laughs> oh, on the TV, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, seriously, they were chanting that, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and like, I mean, I'm sure the broadcasters knew that they just didn't. There were a lot of awkward silences from the broadcasters <laughs> while they were chanting. That I was like, oh, this, so this, this is what it's like to go to Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Especially you'll those Maryland Duke games. You'll definitely hear some some stuff. Uh, I think I I distinctly remember probably the worst thing, the thing that really made me hate Duke more than I already did, was Maryland used to have on its team back in the 2000s. Daryl Strawberry was on the team, the son of DJ Strawberry, the uh, or, re- reverse, sorry, yeah, DJ yeah, Strawberry, yeah. the son of Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> it really I had me for a second. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, Zach was like, "Wait, where?" Yeah, I know Daryl Strawberry did a lot of shit. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, sorry, Daryl Strawberry's son, DJ Strawberry. Mm-hmm was on the University of Maryland basketball team. And mm-hmm. uh, DJ Strawberry's first game in Duke, uh, a whole bunch of uh, Duke uh, fans started throwing Ziploc bags of like powdered sugar on the court and referencing uh, Daryl Strawberry's cocaine yeah. problem. That's bad. And uh, that's, yeah, that's I mean, like that's, that's where you're just like, dude, 
come on but like that's just very duke uh, but anyways i could go on forever about how much i hate duke so anyways um <laughs> no, before I mean, we get before friends, we... yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i'm sure i mean that's pretty low but you know i'm sure call spends have done worse or worse or just oh, as bad I mean, things i'm yeah. sure maryland has done worse as well um like, so when before... i went to the sorry no, go ahead. no no go ahead go ahead go ahead so my freshman year um I went to a lot of Maryland soccer games at home and Maryland soccer <laughs> fan base has, I think there's this thing called the crew, something like that, the crew. And, you know, a lot of them sit behind the, uh, you know, the uh, visiting team's goalie. And they, they, they yell out a lot of, you know, on, ungodly stuff at the goalie just to get I'm him sure distracted. <laughs> One of the yeah. games I remember, um, someone found out the goalie, so the goalie's mother's name, I was like, geez, how do, how, first of all, like, no. how, how did you find that number? Second of all, I, that's pretty, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, no, no. Oh my God. Yeah. I can so only They were imagine. yelling that to him. Yeah. Yikes. So, yeah. College kids can be a little rough sometimes. <laughs> um, you give, just, you give college kids some, the inter- internet connection and they'll, yeah man i mean you see the stories that like uh excuse me like kofi coburn and uh the dude from ohio state basketball players were were sharing some of the messages that they get like oh from this from this past uh tournament yeah Yeah. oh my god i I mean i just i think there should really especially like in the game setting though i think there should be much more public shaming of people in crowds who do stuff like that though oh yeah like it's hear, one thing yeah it's one thing to NBA stories like you hear nba players talk about going to utah you know and it not only they find out their mother's name they find out their grandmother's name they go like deep in utah apparently so yeah yeah i really wish there were more like it was more acceptable to like really shame someone for saying messed up shit and being like, would you really say that to their face? Like if they're right here, like, come on, like square yeah, up. You're, yeah. We're both like, here. like it's yeah. It, I think it should be acceptable. If you're a player on the field and you specifically hear someone talking shit, like I think it should be okay to take like a designated timeout and be like, come on down, come on down. Bro. <laughs> yeah, like, have, have a minute and just be like, you want to, yeah. you want to handle this right now? <laughs> but Yeah. Um, Oh my god, that's great! Uh, so before we get to some more KBO questions, I know Zach, you had your NYU question. Oh yeah, just so yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I remember I, I followed you on Twitter for quite some time, and I remember um, seeing you announce you were going to. Um, is it NYU? Do I have that right? Um, for your uh, sports yeah. um, sports business degree, what led to the decision to do that, and uh, what's that like? Yeah, it took me like three weeks to make a decision. Um, it was hard. Um, you know, I, I had three choices. I had um, Georgetown, George Washington, and NYU. All great choices. Um, yeah, and I definitely changed my mind multiple times during those three weeks. Um, I think it just came <laughs> down to being in New York City and having, you know, a lot of um, baseball things happening in that city. And mm-hmm. and the Kirk, and they're all really good programs, but at the same time, there was also, I guess, like curriculum that I really liked at NYU. There were they definitely seemed to have um, more um, focus on analytics, and mm. obviously, like we talk about analytics on Twitter a lot. But at the same time, people, if you if you know how to 
read the stats or if you know like terminologies like WOBA or WX or rated XOVA, something like that. Um, you know, you know how to read those numbers, but what I really want to get to do is, um, you know, how to use the raw setup data. There's a lot of them out there um, into just like to start from ground up and make it into something generalizable, um, visual, something like that through softwares like R and SQL. I, um, I can talk about, talk more about this later, but right now, like in my spare time, I've been learning how to use um, R lately. Um, we all. Yeah. yeah, I I keep yeah. okay. Can you give me the uh, I'm a dumb person's version of what R means? Because I have seen on Twitter many many people reading books on like how to how to use R and things like that. Is this so? What what does R represent? I I mean I I have no clue what it's talking about. And maybe this is like some deep math that I really need to like do a lot more math studying to understand but nope, what no what is it um, r is a programming language um it's open source ah. which means that it's it's free so you know you don't have to buy it or anything like that and it's a language that you can you can you can um how do i put this you can uh, use the commands to um use the data that you're given in order to well, you know, how to put this, you know, in order, in order to, in order to organize the data, in order to sort the data, in order to put oh, some uh, statistical okay. spin on them, like linear regression or mixed models or machine learning. Yeah. In order yep, to, you okay. know, find, find an answer, you know? Yeah. It's like stuff that would take you about like 45 minutes to do in Excel. You can do in like, you know, 30 seconds an hour. That yeah. makes sense. Okay, now I get why a lot of baseball people are into it. That yeah, makes a yeah. lot of sense. Um, yeah, no uh, good. A lot of modeling and statistical tests and uh, analysis. A lot of them, um, especially in baseball teams, are done in R. And from what I can tell, um, there's also Python, which kind of does the similar thing. But Python, from what I heard, is more um, more um, uh, ubiquitous in use. Like you can do more stuff with Python, but R is perfectly um, the Simpsons term, equivalent in terms of a uh, you know what you need to do for like a you know major league level data analyst tasks. So that's what I've been learning lately, and you know, I, I gave it a go um like a couple months ago. That's when I really started. Like I didn't even know how to put one plus one equals two on R back then, um, but. You know, right now I feel pretty comfortable in some stuff. I'm still learning. I still have a lot to go in terms of get get to getting to where where I want to be. But you know, I think the big thing is like how to think like a coder, because in general, when people have a task at hand in front of them, you know, they tend to jump into conclusion. They you know they tend to um try to uh, skip the rope or skip towards the conclusion and just like get the results right away. But you cannot really do that when you're coding. In coding, you have to um, think step-by-step, step, you know, process-wise uh, to get to where you want to. So it's a, it's, a, it's a long process to get to where you want to. And I'm learning how to do that through R right now. That's super interesting. So that was really the impetus for going back to school is you want to use the stuff to take your, take your baseball analysis skills to, to the next level, whether it's for you know, a team or, or writing or, or whatever. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, also, like you know, it's always been in like a bucket list of mine to get a master's um, in something okay. someday. Like, hopefully, something more useful than journalism. Sorry. Um, uh, I'm finishing <laughs> up my master's right now in American studies, and I'm like, I might as well light this thing on fire. Like, what's it doing? Right? But yeah, I think you're. I think you're in good shape, man. <laughs> I, I would have like, you know what? I mean, doing journalism in Maryland was Maryland was great. It's, they have a really good journalism school. Um, I, I mean, to be honest, I was one of those kids who did way more outside of the class with the Downback, the school newspaper, and um, radio station WC Radio. Uh, I spent a lot of time in radio station and at the uh, newsroom, so you know that was like really fun when I was in Maryland. But um, at the college same time, radio, like I've, I say, college radio is the best. I, I hosted a college radio show when I was up at uh, I went to Shippensburg University up in Pennsylvania for a little bit. Um, and, uh, that's I had D3, a, right? Yeah, it is. It is D3. We had, a uh, oh man, who's our most, we Matt had Adams a couple went to Shippensburg. Do you really? I didn't know that. Huh. I'm pretty sure. Let me look it up. I love me a yeah, D3 guy. I, <laughs> well, I know we had a couple, uh, NFL players. We had, um, Brent Grimes, who's a, a cornerback for the Atlanta oh, Falcons. Never mind. Matt, I was about to slippery rock. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. And then we also had um um what's his name? John Kuhn, the fullback oh. for the uh Packers. Packers, yeah. Yeah. Both Shippensburg University alums. How uh shout out to the Red Raiders. But uh yeah, no, college radio is a blast. That's uh that's awesome. Um yeah. College radio is like was probably the biggest part of my college life at Maryland. Um I did it for four years. I was a I mean four years of doing a you know weekly radio show dj but i was also a programming director for a year Hmm. um which was really fun i that was like probably the biggest leadership thing that i ever did in my life and at the same time it was a lot of work for no pay yeah i can imagine yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so so journalism and media stuff has obviously been with you for for quite some time and uh, I first became familiar with your with your work when you were publishing at Fangraphs, um, and then I started following you on Twitter. I've been uh, reading your stuff ever since. So I'm just curious, what was the line from from A to B to C? What was your path from uh, from college radio to to Fangraphs and uh, getting getting into this whole scene? Uh, um, so I mean, I mean, when I was in college, like. I mean, obviously, I did journalism, so I guess like I felt that I had to worth the degree that I just earned. So I wanted to get into either doing photography or something, something broadcast or writing. You know, I took courses and all that in College Park. Um, so I did. So after a year, I, I was able to stay in America for a year after graduating because of a. OPT, which is like a program for international students, it's an op- it's optional practical training for a year. And during that OPT, I was able to um, write like a few freelance things. Like I got to do a th- I got to do a couple of things for um, Washington Post, which was pretty cool. Um, I also got to photograph for um, Testudo Times, which is the uh, um, SB Nation's Maryland blog. blog. I got to travel, you know, to Spokane and Louisville for NCAA tournament that year, which was really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, you know, once I went back to Korea, um, I didn't really have any footing there. So I didn't really have any connection in Korea that would lead me to a stable job or 
anything like that. And I kind of had, you know, I kind of had to find something to do on my own until something happens. So, you know, like just one day I was just, I was, I, I was, I was kind of interning at a university lab in Seoul for a little while, but it was, it was really boring. I was just, I was just helping out grad students, masters and PhD. Um, they were, they had to write their papers or thesis in English. So my job was to just look over their paper and see if they needed to like, you know, fix their diction or their grammar or anything like that. Um, it was pretty boring and I just really couldn't see myself doing that long term. So I just decided to drop everything and just start watching baseball, be active on Twitter and try to write whatever I could, just free, just pitch everywhere. So 2017 was like the first year when I, that I really went in all in on just like, just like writing my baseball. And I already, I mean, I was I already was a baseball fan since for like a, a long time, like middle school, high school, college, high school, I wanted to play baseball, but I was never really good at it. So I ended up just like looking up a lot of things on the internet, um, just seeking out a lot of different advices. And I ended up, you know, discovering people like Paul Nyman, Tom House, Dick Mills. Mm. I also met Carl Bodie, who founded Drabline, like yeah, at yeah. let's at let's at the uh, let's talk pitching dot com uh, message boards. I think it was host. I think it was a message oh, board wow. created by um, former minor league pitcher Stephen Ellis, and I posted. I think I yeah, I posted there a couple of times, and Carl Bodie was a really active. Um, member of the community back then. This is I'm talking about like 2008, 2009. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah that's, that's like that's like before, yeah. that's like yeah. way back. Yeah, I remember hearing about let's talk pitching. I w- I want to say actually it's it's mentioned in uh, the MVP machine in the book that yeah it uh, was yeah 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 yeah. As I I read that over the summer and uh, um yeah I thought I that sounded familiar but yeah I want to talk I want to talk with you about that book man I have a lot we should we'll we'll have to do that sometime. Yeah um but yeah no that's that's really good so you were you were on the let's talk pitching uh message boards that's awesome yeah i forgot my username or everything but i just remember just knowing kyle bodhi and i think someone else who might have been there someone else that i knew from like one of those pitching forums is his name is ben brewster oh yeah Um, i love ben brewster yeah yeah. ben brewster and i actually ended up going to maryland together and he was a lefty reliever at the maryland baseball team when i was there as a journalism major as well and you know we got to know each other from there um i said hi to him after one of the games at maryland and now he's doing his own thing at tread athletics in carolina and it's, it's pretty cool to see and there's a picture that i took of him when he was pitching at a maryland at, i think it was maryland georgia tech game and he you know i i and I'm glad he likes it. He still he, he uses the picture um, once in a while. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. I, I do want to shout out as a pitching nerd, like I love mechanics and all all of that stuff. Ben Brewster is a much follow must follow. He does some of the best pitching mechanics breakdowns like on yeah. the internet, in my opinion. So, so yeah, the, I'm go. I know that I went way off tangent here, but um, I guess the there, first person that I kind of had like a bit of a eureka moment reading this person's thing is Paul Nyman of SetPro. Uh, Paul Nyman, I guess like people could credit him for a lot of the foundational stuff on how to design a pitcher, pitching mechanic through like engineering principles. Mm-hmm. And like 
he was really big into the rotational ro rotational mechanics, like you know, recognized the uh, uh, benefits of um, like the torso rotation, shoulder rotation, hip rotation, and how the power uh, transfers from the uh, um, uh, bottom up, I guess. Kinetic and also chain, as uh, yeah, kinetic chain, and all, as well as the um, the value of momentum, arm action. Intent to throw, like intent is such. It, intent is a word that's thrown a lot, thrown around a lot nowadays. And I think Paul was one of the first people to throw that word around. I had this, I had this program, I had this um ebook that Paul sells. Um, it, it was called Rotational Throwing for num Numbies, and you know that gave me a pretty good understanding on you know I guess how how he felt some of the um high level throwers in baseball throw the baseball like. He loved using guys like Tim Lincecum and um, Bartolo Colon, you know, both of them who drew 100, 100 miles per hour back. No one was throwing 100 miles per hour. So, I, you know, obviously, like later on, like we have more detailed studies and more, I guess, like deep, like different interpretation on how everyone sees a throwing mechanics. But, you know, Paul Nyman is someone that, as a teenager, like kind of like opened my eyes on how to look at pitching mechanics. And later on, like, you know, when Kyle Bodie and um, Driveline, you know, became like a big thing. And, you know, I got to read, um, you know, um, Hacking the Kinetic Chain, all the kind of stuff. I got to learn more and you know, all the kind of stuff. But that, um, you know, that influx of information that came out on how to be a better drawer, how to be a better swinger, like, no, I was always curious about it since I was in high school because I was such a crappy high school baseball player or try to be a high school baseball player. And that kind of, I guess that kind of passion led me to just like go back to just like thinking and reading about baseball all the time in 2017. And, you know, I started to pitch around just, I wanted to write about major league things, but there are so many people out there talking, you know, writing about major league things. So, you know, I had to, Kind of have a I kind of had to have my own niche in, in order in order to start something, so I started to pitch around you know Korean baseball stuff, um, and thankfully people liked it. Like for for the old Despin, not not the new one, like the old one when yeah yeah, yeah back yeah. when the old cast was there. Um, I got to write like a twenty seven like a twenty seventeen KBO season preview guide. Oh, I didn't know you had a byline there. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah, was, that's awesome. It was cool though. Um, that was like the first time. That I felt like I had like a major baseball piece coming out ever. Um, Barry, I think it was Barry Pacheski that let me write about KBO for you know the website, and you know he just kind of let me do my own thing, and he gave me like I just gave myself like five days to just write nothing about nothing but KBO for like on my own bed. I had a food poisoning at the time. Long story short, oh yeah, so anything <laughs> besides just stay on my bed. So yeah, you know I was on my I was on my bed for three days just writing nothing but KBO and it got published and I felt pretty good about it. And then Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. Like, that's I mean a confidence confidence boost. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can imagine. Well, actually that's a great transition to some more KBO questions because I we definitely have a handful of those. And one of the first ones I want to ask, I actually talked to um our own Alex Fast of Pitcher List, who did uh, a lot yeah. of KBO coverage last year. Uh yeah. and he, I asked him, I was like, any, any, what, what are some, you know, some questions about the KBO that you might have? And he, he had a great one. Do you feel that, um, in the KBO, do you feel like the MLB style of play 
is kind of seeping into into the KBO and also kind of into the KBO team front offices? There's definitely some influences coming in. I mean, more teams. I mean, there are 10 teams in the KBO and nine of them um, have access to trackman data. And, you know, they, mm. and, and most, and all the teams have their own, they have, in the recent years, like everything has happened so quickly. Um, they've hired people to do data analysis job and they've hired people how to use stuff like reps of the machines and um, electronics and blast motions and all the kind of stuff. Um, you know, because um, Lotte Giants are the only team that I've worked for, I cannot really say how the other teams are doing it, but um, I, I can tell you for sure that Lotte Giants have made a very concerted effort on you know using those tools right using the uh, information um from trackman and those tools as much as possible and you know um i give a lot of credit to um josh herzenberg who you know you guys know probably and um alex fast certainly knows very well um you know um you know i worked with josh last year and he uh, he uh has a very he's i would say he is the driving factor on how the Lotte Giants are doing their um, implementation of new technology into their team. And I'm not sure how other teams are doing it, but um, from what I can tell, Lotte Giants are doing their best, especially with Josh on, you know, that that kind of stuff. Now, there is there is one certain team, I'm not going to name which team it is, um, that's not using a trackman. And, you know, I've been told that they... Um, they just start using Rapsodo. So, you know, I guess like some, some teams are not really up to par on the recent yeah. technologies. But in general consensus is that um, um, teams are taking notice on how the major teams are, what, what, what the MLB teams are doing in order to get an edge, get, gain an advantage and try to win. Um, I think different teams have different standards. Like, you know, I've heard some teams are much more difficult to interview with because they get into a lot of nitty gritty details to hire us, hire the best person they can possibly hire. Some teams are more lenient um, on their interview process, but in general, I think teams are trying to catch up to what the major league teams are doing within their budget constraints. That's a big thing because these tools are not cheap. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And even like, how many major league baseball teams even were using Rapsodos ten years ago though? Like when it, oh yeah, yeah. When it snowballs, it tends to snowball. So I can imagine. I mean, it's a I don't think Rapsodo was a thing ten years ago. Yeah. And there you go, exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. When you say like everyone, you know, some teams are more behind than others. It's like this is all relative. It's moving so so fast. It's oh, crazy yeah. how you know in twenty seventeen summer. So this is like what four like less than four years ago. Um, I went to Boston that August to attend the Sabre seminar at Boston University. And I think that was one of the very first instances where a uh, Rapsodo was presented in public. So wow. during the during the conference, um during the conference um they had you know, they had the entire um people, entire crowd at Sabre seminar just go outside and just like they demonstrated how it works. Like they had a pitcher and a catcher and they just had a uh, Rapsodo installed in between and they just had a picture draw and everything was marked on the rest of the machine. And that was so, that was, that was such a cool and revolutionary thing to look at back then. But nowadays it's, it's, you know, you gotta have it. You got, you kind of, you gotta know how to use it. You know, it's, it's a a necessity right now. 
I so so that, imagine. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. But that kind of gives you an idea on how how quickly things move nowadays, and um, you know, in terms of tracking the pitches and batted balls and all that kind of stuff. You know, Rapsodo isn't the only thing nowadays. They you can also use like portable trackman or Yakker Tech. Because there are so many good options out there. It's I guess it's the matter of which one that you feel comfortable using, which one might be the most accurate one and which one might be in your budget constraints. You know, you can't you can't you can't have to research all that kind of stuff in order to come up with what you want to use. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's really cool. You get to see like one of the first times Rap Soda was presented I'm, I'm in public. I'm trying to imagine a bunch of all the all the saber nerds out there, everyone getting their minds blown <laughs> by seeing spin rate for the first time, <laughs> or whatever it was. Like, That's so uh, funny. It must have been. It must have been wild. I mean, so, what was also cool was um, Jason Benetti was the you know he was oh the um, host ah. of that yeah saber seminar. He, I think he was there because the White Sox were playing the Red Sox in Boston that weekend. And, yeah, so you know, he just rolled through. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Rick Hahn, the White Sox GM, also did a presentation, or not a presentation. He he just had like a talk during the presentation during the uh, seminar, which was also cool. That's awesome. That is great. So, I I'm curious, in the KBO, do you feel like mm-hmm. there is something that is part of the KBO? that you wish was part of, of MLB and not necessarily like it, you know, a technical thing, but just, you know, even just like a, a style of play or something like that. Is there something about KBO where you're like, man, MLB would be, would be better if it did this thing. Uh, the, the fan culture for sure. Um, it's infinitely more fun to go to a KBO game, especially in the cheering sections in the infield than you know, just go to a major league baseball game. Um, That's what I've I heard. Think, yeah, yeah. People are in general much more engaged in, I guess, the game action at the KBO game hmm. than I mean, major league baseball game. People are also like you know focused on the game sometimes, but um, KBO game is much more um, crowd participation is much more active and much more loud and fun and honestly. I would I would put it I mean I would put it this way and I didn't say this um, it was um Mr. Kerry Maher who was the um um Lotte Giants super fan he's an American dude like a big American dude with beard so he kind of stands out in the crowd and he kind of so he, because of that he kind of became a, a local celebrity in Busan South Korea and he put it like this he said um major league baseball games are like attending an opera but KBO games are like attending a rock and roll concert and I think that's a really good an- analogy that makes a lot of sense based on what I have uh, heard and seen from KBO games, which look, it looks like a whole lot more fun. Like it just, it looks like a black, like I love, don't get me wrong. I love going to an MLB game, but I think that is a great analogy because an MLB, MLB game can be like, I don't know. There's sort of this, there's sort of this like respect for the game. And I'm using air quotes for that, but like this, this, I don't know this feeling about baseball in America where it's like, it's this time honored American pastime. You don't disrespect the game. And this is like, like it just, it's placed on this pedestal where, and and so that makes it harder for people to have fun doing it because there's always the fun police around or just like, you can't flip that bat. That's you know, or whatever. But I feel like from what I've seen of the KBO games, that, 
that's almost not there. It's almost just like, hey, man, we're having fun. Like, just just like get into it and have a good time. And I, I do completely agree MLB would be way better if they just – and I think MLB is trending that way. Um, but, yeah, it MLB could definitely use an injection of fun. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if you talk to, you know, some – Many of the ball players, um, you know, who do bathless and stuff. I mean, they they don't really do it consciously. It just kind of happens after they hit a right, they hit right, a right, right. Yeah. Which is which is great. The fact that they are they feel comfortable in doing that. I feel like for a lot of MLB players, it's almost like you you can't. You almost feel like you can't show emotion because then people are going to like rag on you. Like you're you know you're not allowed to do that or whatever. But that's poor sportsmanship. If you show like any kind of like emotion and getting excited, like that's uh, that's what oh. I think the whole argument about bat flips is. Is like speaking of tank, is, Joey Botta just hit a tank. Did he really? Yeah, against Harlan Garcia. Oh man! Is his power back? Is that the is is it back? God, I, <laughs> I mean, he so. he sent it. He sent one to the McCovey Cove. So, oh man, I <sighs> I I no no, you're good. I love I love Joey Votto and his his sort of like downfall over the past year or two has been really sad like because i i love i love a good like just joey Votto is good for the game he's so much fun he's like one of my favorite players to watch and uh i i would love i would love a joey Votto renaissance uh but he does anyways on the, yeah. yeah i guess regarding the kbo i mean i mean i think that's all a big part of the reason why there's so many casual fans um, going to the games because not I, I, not everyone is going to the games thinking that they're going to anal- analyze every play of the game. They just want to see a game and they just want to have be in a very fun, um, distressing atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge reason that drives people to the ballpark. I'm curious, how much? What is the the price point compared to to U.S. games? Because I can tell you, like part of the reason I am this deep into baseball as I am right now is because I live like a 10, 15 minute drive away from the ballpark formerly known as Comiskey Park. And for most of my childhood and like formative years, the White Sox were really, really bad. So it would be super, super easy for me to just drive down or take the train down uh, or even ride my bike down and buy like an $8 ticket and watch a baseball game. And I would do that like 10, 15, 20 times over the course of the summer. And that's how I really got in. I was always a huge, I played baseball. I was always a huge baseball guy, but that's how I really got deep into it. And I'm, I'm just wondering, hearing you talk about that, like how much of that or the lack of that in the United States might be partially because it's like for a family, I mean, I'm sure Ben, you could attest to this, but like for most people who aren't in my situation, like going to a baseball game is not a simple or cheap no. proposition. You get, if you get, Four people. Let's say you want to go to an Orioles game, and this is the Baltimore Orioles, like worst team in baseball game. And you want to go. This is you know before they the Orioles are doing something and have been doing something in the past. I think is great where they like let uh, kids are free. Kids under a certain age are just free. Just come onto the game uh, if you get upper deck, which I think is great. But you know normal times, if you have a family of four, you're paying. Let's see, upper deck ticket. You're paying what? All right, let's say $15 a ticket for some crappy seats. So you're already paying for a family of four. You're paying 60 bucks just for tickets. Then it's going to be 20 bucks to park. 
probably twenty five dollars mm. to park, depending on where you're going. So now you're up to eighty five dollars just to get in the door. Then let's say you get there, you want to eat food. Well, guess what? It's twenty bucks a person if you want a burger and fries, like just straight up burger and fries. So that's eighty more dollars that you're spending on food. And then, God forbid, you want to get a beer. It's going to be like twelve dollars for a Bud Light. So, I mean, you're spending you're spending one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars for a family of four to go to the game and like have food. And uh, it's just like it. And to me, that's why the the people who complain about pace of play, I'm like, you mean to tell me a fan is spending like two hundred dollars to get their family to a game? And then they're sitting there in that game going like, all right, can we speed this up? Like I need to, <laughs> I, got, I spent $200 to get here. I got places to go. Like just, so yeah. So I am curious. I'm also curious about that for the KBO. Is it, how much does it cost to go to a game? Is it, is it pretty it's inexpensive like, relatively? The level of accessibility. And yeah. Quite, yeah. Yeah. It's like much more inexpensive. I mean, so actually this Friday I'm going to, I'm actually, Heading down to Busan for like a bit of a sabbatical, you know. Um, I'm gonna. I got. I got a ticket to a Lotte Giants game. It's like a 300 level infield seat, and I got it for ten dollars. Oh. oh wow! Yeah, and I'm sure it's like um, popular too. It's probably a you know, like I'm getting ten dollar tickets for the Sox game when there's three thousand people in the park. It sounds like that's not right. The case right. <laughs> yeah, the tickets are kind of hard harder to get right now because um the Giants are doing ten percent ten ten percent capacity right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But usually before the COVID, I mean, right now the ticket prices are tri- ticket prices are a little bit raised because of COVID. But before the COVID days, like at Jamsil Stadium, I could get like a pretty decent infield seat, like pretty good view to the field for like I don't know, like fifteen twenty dollars. Wow! So yeah, that's so that's, that's pretty good to start with, and then you know I didn't I didn't have to bring a car there or anything like that because the stadium is right by the subway station, so. You know, just take a subway there. Infrastructure, mind blowing uh, concept in this country. <laughs> and right. Then, <laughs> and before COVID, you could bring outside food, and so, and they had like stuff like KFC or some other chicken or like Burger King outside of the stadium. So you could bring you can you can buy one of those and bring those in, or you can just get food in from inside the stadium, which which would be like. You know, if you get like food and drinks, like like a chicken and beer or something like that, maybe like fifteen dollars total. So, you know. Oh my God, it's fifteen dollars for a beer, a single beer. You know, in, in, I know. Yeah. Like, and so the prices I was giving is like in Baltimore. God forbid you're going to a Yankees game or like God. a Red Sox game. Like, you know, best of luck. You're you're spending double all of that. It's insane. And yeah, yeah I know. Um, and even in even in Camden Yards, I remember the. Uh, a ten dollar Bud Light. That without, I'm just like, I'm not gonna do that right now. No, <laughs> no. who's spending ten dollars for a Bud Light? Oh, I paid eleven fifty for for a Bud Light yesterday. I yeah, still yeah. Hate Wait, myself. why? Where? Where'd you go? I went to I went to the White Sox game yesterday. Oh, okay. I am, for the listeners, I'm fully vaccinated. The two people who I went with are fully vaccinated. I think they shouldn't be happening either. But you know what? I'm sorry, Sumi. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's um. It kind of takes me into a next question with with KBO stuff too that I'm really curious about is the bringing over of of American players to the KBO is just what is the it seems mm. like you know especially in recent years it's kind of become I don't want to say a thing but like a label of every winter there's one or two pitchers especially 
who are kind of coming back onto the free agent market and you hear whispers like, Oh, they went over to Korea or Japan for a year and figured something out and they come back and suddenly they're a major league starter again. But what I'm really curious, how do KBO teams kind of narrow down the process and like identifying what players they're you're going to target and make contract offers to and try to bring over and how, what, what goes into that process? Good question, because this was exactly what I did when I was in Lotte. <laughs> um, like, like this time last year, I was um, looking at literally every every major league team's uh, roster and their minor league roster. And I was looking at interesting players that I thought was interesting enough to you know, have a chance to come to Korea. And I would just just click on their page and see how many options they have left, how many, what's their minor league career like, what 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 their ages, see if they would have a, a lot of, of staying power in the uh, major leagues or anything like that. Um, see, you know, if they, if the major league team, if if their team would regard them highly to, you know, give them a lot of chances or anything like that, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and also the free agency because um, free agents are much easier to sign than players who are in the uh, roster. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in roster, you 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 have to pay for the buyout money, and at the same time, you have to negotiate with your players or player agents themselves mm-hmm. to make sure that they're happy with the amount of money they are getting. Right. Um, and so sometimes you see teams like in spring trainings, the team will release a player to pursue an opportunity elsewhere. Oh yeah. um, but um, so. yeah, there's a lot of different factors that go into um, like a player deciding on coming to Asia or against it. Um, the obvious ones are the options left in a player. Um, if I mean, obviously, if a player has like two or three options left, they're more likely to stay with the team, or the team is more likely to keep them around for depth, or to see if they have any more promise left that they can, you know, promise left that they can uh, contribute to a big league club. If a player has like a zero or one, maybe one, but most likely zero option left, then they don't have as much staying power in the major league organization. Um, that's, that's, I, I know that there are teams that are definitely stingier in particular on players with, even with one option left. I know that I'm not going to say which major league team it is, but, um, there's a team. So if you want to talk to a player, if you want to sign a player, you have to um put a status check on them. And once they're approved by the team, then you can talk to a player or pursue signing the player. Um, there's one particular team that would just wouldn't that just wouldn't approve any status check on even guys with one option left. I'm not gonna say which team it is, but you know, yeah, that's yeah. just how they do their business. Um, um there's also obviously you you gotta look at their stats or anything that any data that you can you know get out of the um um like statcast or fan graphs or anything like that. Yeah. Like pre- you know, we prefer preferably um someone who is pretty good um obviously you, you cannot really you you, you got to be a chooser at this point because there's a lot of players that actually want to uh get paid in korea um get out of the minor league situation and something like that so um sorting process is pretty it's very lengthy it's pretty difficult um if you made it to like a top five priority signing list for any kb team then you're you must be pretty good um yeah. What else? Um, if you're a free agent, then um, it's much easier to sign you than uh, when you're in a team, because if you're a free agent, then you're free to sign with any team. You don't ha- you, teams don't have to go through 
negotiating a buyout with a major league baseball team in, in order to sign you. And especially in KBO, for the first time, first year form players, there's a cap of $1 million that you can give. And that includes a buyout. But even then, for a lot of guys, I imagine that's still probably a lot more attractive than you know going back to the minors and riding the bus for AAA all year. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's true, but... um. It's also up to the agents as well because mm-hmm. agents will want like a certain price for you know their client. I mean, I remember um, you know two years ago, a winner between 2019 and 2020. Um, there was a pitcher that I really liked. I'm not gonna say who it is. Um, and I had to um, negotiate between the organization and the agent. Organization, the the team gave gave us um offered us this amount for buyout, and I was like, okay, so this. Leaves us like a half a million to give to a player, and then I told the team's the player's agent, "Hey, so team the team wants this amount, and so this this leaves us this amount to give to the player. Would you accept it?" And the player agent was like, "Hell no." And <sighs> it's still and it's still like what's more money than you know how much he would make in the minor league. So you know, it's not that easy. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine. Um, so not to not to completely change the subject, but I did just get a, a message from another mutual friend of ours, uh, okay. also who went to University of Maryland, Adrian Francisco. Wait, you know Adrian. how do you? Know? Oh my goodness! Yeah, of course, I know Adrian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Adrian, so Adrian and Alex were roommates. Uh, at I, I remember that. I remember. So, that, yeah. so that's how I know Adrian. I know Adrian pretty well. But I had mentioned to him that uh, we were oh, doing Adrian. this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mentioned to him we were doing this. Uh, podcast and i was like any any fun stories about sung men or anything you want me to bring up and he just now messaged me back and he told me that apparently you guys did a softball team together uh attempting to get artsy kids to learn how to swing a bat yeah i was i was like the only kid in that team that knew how to play baseball like (laughs) like to be honest like i i like i hit a home run and i I also play center field, so you know I was like the Mike. I was like the Mike Trout of the team. <laughs> but if, like, if if I'm the Mike Trout of the team, then you're you're not really in a good position. I'll put it that way. <laughs> well, what was that? What was the impetus behind um, starting that softball team? Like, what was just for like fun or? Yeah, I mean, Cos Park Scholars they do a yearly softball tournament between different programs. So, you know, oh. Arch had a team. International studies had a team, uh, media media studies had a team, you know, all the kind of stuff. So, you know, we had our own team, and I think Adrian was the captain my freshman year. <laughs> so, you know, he was the one who was organizing the workouts and all the kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I, um, I played in, I think I played in four tournaments when I was in Maryland, and I I hit a home run in each one of them. Nice. So I guess I'm, awesome. so I'm proud. I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh. Yeah, it, it, when I say home runs, like you know, there's no fences beyond the outfield. Like you, there's not. I'm not talking about the t- tanks or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they all have to be in, inside the park home runs. So you know, still, I guess kind of take, yeah. for inside the park home runs, nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's that's pretty fantastic. Um, anyways, <laughs> I just wanted to mention that because he just matches me, and I thought that was funny. Um, but what <laughs> the one of the or the core question of this podcast and something that I definitely want to ask you, uh, we ask every guest uh, and we always get a, a great answer. So whatever your answer okay. is, I promise it'll be great. Why do you love baseball? There are a lot of sports out there that you could love. There are a lot of uh, different things, different hobbies. 
what is it about baseball, the sport that draws you in that you love? Oh, good question. I mean, I mean, I grew up in baseball. I mean, Korea's, I mean, baseball has been around in Korea and Korea since, uh, like, I guess the KDO has been around since the eighties, but you know, industrial league and high school was like a high school baseball was like a fixed thing prior to then. So, and when I was, I guess when I was growing up, um, I also was a little bit of major leagues because um, Channel Park was like a huge um, national star slash hero when I was growing up. And, you know, every every time Channel Park started, they would do like a broadcast of those games. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah, the Dodgers were, I guess the Dodgers were the first team that I can say that I grew up watching because of Channel Park. Like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of remember the lineup order of the 1999 or 2000 Dodgers. Like, you know, it was like Mark Gersinlanek, Jose Biscayno, Sean Green, Gary Sheffield, Eric Karras, you know, all those guys. Um, I remember those guys. And um, when I moved to the States, I mean, I grew up watching both soccer and baseball. But soccer was the bigger sport in Korea when I was growing up because people were so excited about the uh, 2002 um, Korea-Japan World Cup. Oh, and, okay. And Korea actually did really well in the World Cup. They went to the semifinals, which was like really unheard of. Like no one really thought that that would actually happen. Um, so baseball kind of, at least back then, they, baseball did take a bit of a back seat, if you will, because soccer was so huge in popularity. And, but that was around the time that I, you know, moved to America. So once I got to America, like not a lot of people were talking about international soccer. Like there were some people, you know, there were like some coverages of NLS and maybe some premier league on TV at the time, but ESPN was never really playing soccer, you know? ESPN was playing baseball or football all the time. Yep, yep. And football, it took me like a while to get into. I just didn't know how to watch it. I, just, I didn't know any rules. I didn't know what the, I didn't know what quarterback or running back or any any of them meant. But baseball is something that I understood that I could get into even more while you know talking about with my people talking about people around me. So um, you know that's the sport that I got into, and I just happened to be living in Connecticut where. It was like half Red Sox, half Yankees territory during the uh, huge rivalry thing that was going on in 2003 and 2004. So that oh, was like man, a really yeah. fun, yeah, it was a fun atmosphere to be in. Yeah, I would imagine, like, man, right around that time to be in the middle of the Yankees Red Sox rivalry. That's like that's intense. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I unfortunately never got to go to a uh, old Yankee Stadium. Um, I didn't really have a, I didn't, I was a kid, so I didn't really have the ind- independent financial power to go to ballpark and like that. But yeah, uh, it yeah. was just fun watching the games on TV as a kid. I'll put it that way. How many, um, how many, uh, ballparks, uh, in the U.S. have you been to? I know you mentioned you've been to Camden. Yeah. yeah Camden Yard was my first, 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 uh, major league ballpark. Um, the best ballpark in the country. Great ballpark. I love it. Um, Absolutely. I want to, you know, Camden, obviously Nationals, Mets, City Field, um, Yankee Stadium, um, um, Bowie, Bowie, Bowie Bay Sox, Frederick Bowie Keys. Bay mm. Sox, love it. That is the for and for anyone who doesn't know, and I mean, how would you not know that the Bowie yeah. Bay Sox are the Double A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles, and they are about fifteen minutes from my house. I grew up going to Bowie Bay Sox games. Uh, I grew up going to Bowie Bay Sox have like the best fireworks show you will ever see. 
it really is incredible. Like <laughs> I used to just go to the parking lot after games just to watch the fireworks. Uh, but yeah, um, grew up going to the Bowie Bay Sox. Love them. Being at, being at the Mets, or I mean, they were called being at the Mets back then. Now, I guess, do they even exist anymore? I don't know. Um, Rumble ponies. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Fenway Park. Fenway Park was great. I mean, I know that people kind of complain about it being old, but I just love being there. I've um, never been. I've always wanted to go. It's, I mean, it's definitely a, a bucket list thing. But yeah. yeah. Um, I think that might be it. Um, yeah, I haven't been to a lot of ballparks as people think I have. Um, You've been to more than that, me. It's just that it's a commitment every time you try to go to a baseball game in Mason. Oh yeah, because it's it's a lot of money. Oh yeah, I I tried to go to uh, City Field. I uh, probably about six or seven years ago. I was up in New York City uh, to see the Tonight Show, and while we were up there the night before, we were looking for something to do in the city, and I was like, "Let's go to a Mets game." Like, I, they, the Yankees were not in town, but the Mets were in town. I was like, let's go to a Mets game. This sounds like so much fun. I've never been to City Field, but I was with my wife who doesn't really pay attention to baseball. And I was with um, my wife's friend who uh, who lived in Queens and also yeah. was not very into baseball. So everybody was like, no, I don't really want to go to a baseball game. I was like, man, we ended up we ended up having a lot of fun anyways, but. I was I was that close to going to City Field, but other than that, I've only ever been to Camden. I've been to Nationals Park, and I've been to um, the Rogers Center up in Toronto, and Ooh. that's it. That's it. I've always wanted to go to more parks, but that's all I've ever been to. I'll put it this: so my first baseball game, Major League Baseball game, was um, 2007. It was uh, it was Orioles Yankees. Like, I mean, oh I man, that that's got, a that's yeah. an intense first one. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I mean, if you guys didn't know, I, I grew up a Yankees fan, and because of because I was in Connecticut, and sure, that makes sense. I, I I kept the fandom even when I got to live in you know Baltimore area uh, for high school, and I got a lot of shit for that. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> especially especially when I was in high school, because my high school happens to be Mark Teixeira's alma mater. Oh uh, man, and there was that whole yeah. So Zach, I don't know if you remember the whole thing where so Mark Teixeira. Is it becomes a free agent after he le- after he was at, with the Rangers. He becomes this a free agent. This is before agent. he signed with the Yankees, right? Before he signs with the Yankees. Plot and there was a whole lot of talk about him coming to Baltimore. He was a Maryland guy. He hmm. was a reportedly an Orioles fan. It was almost like, you know, like done deal. Mark Teixeira is coming to Baltimore. And then he ends up on the Yankees. And like all of Baltimore took it as a personal slight. It was huge. Them. Oh was, my god! I, yeah, I mean, I was overjoyed. I mean, because I was, I was, I, I was attending the high school when that happened. Yeah. Oh my and, god! Yeah, Orioles fans were furious. I mean, we would boo. I was with them. We would boo Teixeira every time he came into town because uh, this was mid two thousands. This is when the Orioles were um, not smart enough to tank, but not good enough to be good. Um, yeah. And so, you know, every year we were like, we were competing. And so Teixeira was going to be the guy who like, you know, put it all together. And nope, he ends up at the Yankees and, and Baltimore let him have it every single time he came up to bat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, back, back to my first major league game. Yes. Um, 
it was uh Yankees had Tim and Wong as the uh, starting pitcher and Orioles had Daniel Cabrera. Oh man, Daniel Cabrera, that's a throwback yeah. name. Yikes. And I think this was also during A Rod's uh, 500th home run chase. Hmm. And oh, okay. he was kind of right. Yeah, and he was kind of going through a cold streak at the time. And he didn't hit he didn't hit he didn't get his 500 that game, but um I think it was one of the late innings when Yankees were leading by plenty and then I think Orioles had one of their relievers um uh, I think it might have been Jim Hoy. I, I gotta, I gotta look it up. Oh, but, Jim um, Hoy, man, you're really bringing me back. <laughs> yeah, and you know Orioles couldn't risk any along any more runs like that game, so they decided to uh, intentionally walk a rod. And I know that people were, I know the Orioles fans were booing Yankee lineup all game, but when they decided to intentionally walk a rod, like everyone in the ballpark was booing like Orioles fans and Yan- Yankees fans and Orioles yeah. fans. <laughs> I'm sure the Yankees fans were especially loud uh, yeah. <laughs> when they walked A-Rod. They always were. You would get an Orioles-Yankees game and probably 70% of the crowd was Orioles fans, but that 30% of Yankees fans were really loud and yeah. made their presence I can attest known. to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I sure was, you were one uh, of them. <laughs> I wasn't. Re- I, I was never a boor. I never really boo. I don't like to boo. I, yeah, I mean, it's never really been my personality. Like, you know, even when I went to Maryland basketball games as a fan, like I was like really big into it. I was. I was like, you know, one of those fans who would just go crazy watching the game on TV or at the at the games, but never really booed the opposing player. I just never really a thing for me. But yeah, yeah, that it's hmm. it's. I don't know. I've never. That's why one of the reasons I could never get into playing sports was I could never like I watch NFL games and before every NFL game, there's a big huddle and all the guys are like jumping up and down. They're like shouting stuff and like hitting each other. And I'm like, I was never able to get into that. Like I could never get into that mindset where like I'm getting that hyped up, like where they're like, you know, we got to protect this is our house and we got to protect our house. And all like I, I would just be like, guys, we're, we're playing football. Like, yeah. I like I get it. It's cool. Like I'm I'm excited too, but like we don't need to like hit each other and like get I, I just I, I was never just able to step into that. And I kind of wish I could have because that seemed like a cool place to be, like when you're that hyped up and like just real jacked into the game and all that. But yeah, that's and I think that's part of the reason why I was never a booer. I could never like get into emotionally into the game to that point where I'm like, I want to like I wish harm on you. Boo, you suck just to tell like i don't know that was never that was never something i could do um anyways that game um yeah i think the thing that i remember the most about the game is the paul Baco, the orioles backup catcher he had he had i think he had like four or five walks that game oh my god really something something like that um that's why i knew who i knew who paul Baco was from the 2003 cubs that Hmm. you know that the tragic team, but uh, yeah. Um, so tragic. Also, I got so very tragic. Also, also, I got to see um Mariano Rivera pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, in real oh, life for the first time. Yeah. yeah, that was like some. That was very memorable for me. Like at the time, me and my family was already moving towards the uh, you know, where we parked, I guess. But we decided to catch the last of the game from the Utah Street area, and you know, above the uh about the right field fans and yeah we were just watching Rivera from the back and it was that was that was something that I 
never forget you know oh my god yeah that's that is one thing i will say one of the things that's that was nice as an orioles fan as much as i hate the yankees you i did get to see a lot of like legends play in person because i would go to these yankees games you know or and red sox too you know i got to see david ortiz hit a lot i you know i uh, with the Yankees, I got to see I got to see Mariano Rivera pitch quite a bit. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, unfortunately because he always shut us down. But it was incredible. He's in- he was incredible to watch. Um, and you know, got to see a Rod and all these guys. Uh, but but yeah. Um, so now I would I would like to. Oh, Zach, did you have anything else? Oh my, yeah. The only other one I wanted yeah. to ask was whether uh, was was ballpark food, whether it's oh yeah, Korea, yeah. Korea, USA, whatever. Do you have any go tos, any favorites? Eat, drink, whatever. Oh yeah, I mean Camden Yards, Boogs Barbecue. Um, I'm serious. Yes, this is the second time Boogs has gotten a shout out on this podcast. Boogs is great. Um, no, seriously, it's great. I that's oh, like yeah. the thing that I missed the most. One of the things that I missed the most about not just Baltimore but America, you know. You gotta, yeah, you gotta um, like pit okay. beef. It, it's pit beef barbecue, but if you yeah. if you like pit beef, man, Boogs is real solid, like real good. And they give you, um, they give you so much food. Uh, they, you know what? Talk about the price of food. The price for Boogs, you get good portions. You get a big sandwich, a little helmet of coleslaw. It's good. And, helmet and the chips. It's a tiny little like plastic helmet. Yeah. Uh, is your bowl and it's uh, coleslaw, and then yeah, yeah. And you get some chips. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, like you know, like I would do a lot of things to go back to Camden Yards, get the uh, get the beefs, both Brooks barbecue, and get one of the um, can like natty bow and like a tall can, you know. Tall Dude, boys, they don't you know? they don't have natty bow at Camden Yards anymore. They oh, got then, rid of it. Okay, I know. Then what do we, what do they have now? Bud Light and you know, <laughs> Gene- yeah, I know natty bow, a Baltimore brand beer, and they yeah. they got rid of it at Camden Yards. It is it is just oh, that's a shame that's it's awful dumb. it's ridiculous like it natty bow like i'll admit natty bow isn't like some incredible beer or something of the cheapo beers i think it's pretty solid um and even but i you know i love it because it's a maryland beer like you get to think there's a thing in annapolis you can get uh, at some bars they not a lot of bars do it anymore called a botini which is uh uh it's great so you get uh natty bow draft and then they put old bay around the rim and sprinkle old bay in the in the beer and it's delicious it's a wonderful y'all, wonderful baltimore drink. folks y'all are running out of strikes real fucking quickly. did you just say old bay in old beer? bay yeah yeah so dogfish, dogfish, oh, dogfish head i think dog well, so so dogfish head had an old bay beer that was kind of gross in my opinion um it grew on me it grew on me. Yeah, I, I will I will admit I only gave it one chance. So it, it may have been an acquired taste. But no, the um the Botini, it, it, there were some bars in downtown Annapolis that would do it. Not as many anymore, but you could get them for cheap. There's a whole, you know, glass draft of Natty Bow. And before they poured the draft, they would just like you would for like a martini or whatever, they would dip the uh, glass, the rim of the glass in Old Bay, and then some Old Bay would be in the drink too. And I know it sounds weird. But the thing is, if you're eating crabs in Baltimore, you probably have a beer with you anyways. You're mixing the two already. So having the the old bay and the beer, it sounds weird, but it's delicious. It's a delicious drink. I, I love it. I wish more yeah. bars did it. You know, I still got I still got some uh old bay left on my kitchen right now. Oh um, man. I it's mean so I didn't I mean I didn't get it I didn't get it myself from Maryland, but uh got, I got a friend 
in you know Annapolis area. Uh, she's actually a journalist uh, writing for a Capital Gazette. Oh, uh, cool! Yeah, her name is uh, Catherine Fominick. Okay. And she kind of yeah she kind of sent me one of those uh, care, like a Maryland care packages last year. For oh, me. that's awesome! And you know like a like one of those uh one of those uh, um Old Bay was one of them yeah. And, Old Bay uh, is essential, it, man. You got to have it for your for your popcorn. I made popcorn the other night. Old Bay on your popcorn, it is the I, best. I did pick up when I was still in Rhode Island a few months ago. I got this thing of um spicy Old Bay. I mean, Which Old Bay is already pretty spicy. They have yeah, but this had like, version. but yeah, it had like cayenne and other shit, and it. it was oh. like, it, it was actually incredible. And I have not been able to find it since. I didn't know that was I, a thing. I, I would love to find it. I mean, uh, you guys know that American spicy is like nowhere, nowhere near <laughs> Korean spicy. So American, nowhere near any American spices are like salt. That's what we call spices. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's like the, the no, American it's... thing. Is like don't put too much pepper in there. I don't want it to get too spicy. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, I would like to. So we're gonna pivot to the last section of this uh, podcast, which is kind of more random stuff. We talked a lot about a baseball KBO you, and now we're going to pivot to some more kind of random stuff that we talk about. And we're going to start with what we call the order of operations trifecta. We are going to ask you three things and we want to know in which order do you do these things? Uh, that was a really terrible phrasing of it. But first thing I want to ask <laughs> when you get oh, dressed, no. that's a good phrasing. You... Okay. <laughs> oh, good, good. Hey, look, pitchless doesn't pay me to write beautiful words for nothing. Um, first thing I'm going to ask, when you get dressed socks or pants first, which comes first? Oh, pants. That is, that I mean, is in the majority. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sometimes I don't. Some, sometimes I don't wear socks. You know, when me I too. I do not like socks. I try to not wear socks as much as humanly possible, and I, I like, am barefoot all of the time. Well, the thing is that I hope hundred percent of the time you go you go outside you wear pants. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but, yes. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> but socks, it's not really hundred percent. So you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, pants first. That's a solid logic as we've heard so far. I think, to be honest, yes, yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, so the second one, and this is easily the most controversial, is um, if you drink milk and eat cereal and should choose to have a bowl of cereal with milk, what comes first, the cereal, cereal. or the milk? Okay. Cereal. Okay. Wow. We are really decisive here, and we are saying yeah, all the right yeah. things. You are. You are quickly becoming. We have had a, a couple milk favorite. before. <laughs> we've had a couple milk before cereal people, but most yeah, people. Yeah, are. I mean, I mean, cereal first, but I don't like to get my cereal soggy, so you know, you got to get on it quickly. Yeah. So <laughs> that is that's the main justification <laughs> that we've heard for milk for milk first is you put it mm-hmm. in the milk and then you do the cereal and the cereal won't get soggy. And yeah. I kind of get that, but at the same time, just, I don't know. It just feels but now, wrong. But we were also just last week on our podcast introduced the idea of using cereal milk in baking, which is where you actually let the cereal like soak in the milk for a while. And then like you mm. eat it, but you have all of this milk that is sugary and like tastes like the cereal that you were eating. And then you use it in baking and it gives it flavors yeah yeah shout out to uh shout out to our previous guest shelly restraint she uh she bakes she will bake like cereal cakes she told us so yeah you have like a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch you have like a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch and then you finish off the cereal uh, and yeah not not really much of a baker here i'm much more of a i don't know i I just i'm not really a big 
like a pastry person, I when I'm cooking and I feel adventurous, I'm gonna you know I would do stuff like recreating Chick Fil A nuggets, stuff like that. You know. Ooh, have you been this able is, to recreate Chick Fil A nuggets? Uh, like successfully. Well, the first time was pretty decent. Um, I feel like I knew what I did wrong. So this time I have all the necessary ingredients. Hopefully, I I got my chicken. I got I got like a I got like a carton of milk. I got some meals i got a i got pickle because you need pickle juice to marinate the mm. chicken that's that's like a big thing huh and you need you need peanut oil and obviously like salt and pepper for you know, seasoning you know yeah you just got to be able to do everything right in mm. like a right sequence that's like the secret apparently wow that's that's awesome i would love to be able to recreate chick-fil-a chicken nuggets <laughs> yeah. please, dude, please tweet about cooking, what you do yeah dude, cooking cooking is easy man I, I don't know why cooking is like you just, you just follow the instructions and that's it see that's what baking is to me like baking to me is you follow the instructions in the correct order for the correct amounts bake for the correct amount of time boom it's done cooking feels a lot more like an art where it's kind of like you kind of like you know wait till it's done but like not too much done or something like you know it just i don't know it feels a little more loosey-goosey than yeah. baking does baking feels like a mathematical formula where it's like this plus this plus this plus this for this amount of time equals this every but i time. think that's that's also the thing about like cooking as opposed to baking with the following directions like if you have a set of instructions for baking and like you can follow them but then if you still get the ratios off a little bit, like you have to be really exact. True. With some that stuff. Is true. Like you have to be really on point or it'll still mess it up. Whereas with cooking, it's like you get the ingredients. Like obviously if you're trying to do something like make Chick-fil-A nuggets that has a whole process yeah. to it when you're really trying to imitate something, that's one thing. But for the most part, like cooking, you have a recipe and you kind of follow it and you don't have to pay attention like super closely necessarily like you put the stuff in there and you do whatever and you will get at the very least like something that approximates what you wanted to make most of the time yeah that's true that's true i, um, I get that i get that that's just um, i might be projecting you know that's no no i 100 percent understand that i think that makes sense um, um the last one in the order of operations trifecta when you brush your teeth toothpaste or water first which one comes first oh okay um Okay, I, I just got what you what you meant. Um, yeah, yeah. So when you brush your teeth, what you're gonna put toothpaste yeah. on the toothbrush? What comes first? Do you put some water on first, then toothpaste, or toothpaste and then water? Uh toothpaste. Interesting. So you don't okay. wet the brush first. Okay, toothpaste then water. Yeah, be, uh, yeah. I guess so. I never really thought about this one. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I brush my teeth every day. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, well, now you'll think about it. Now you'll think about it. You're going to be like, wait, which one do I do first? And then you're going to find you alter it every time because you're going to be thinking about it. We're going to screw with your head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Dental hygiene is so underrated, guys. Don't, you know, don't miss your appointment with the, the, the dentist. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I, need, I need to go to a dentist. I haven't been to one in like a year and a half, and it's not great. Not great. It's probably been more. Actually, it's been longer than that for sure. Yikes! Yeah, actually, you know cavities. what? You know, you know, you know what comes even before is a uh, flossing. I actually love Ooh. flossing. I Do you really? You are like one yeah. of five people in the world. If you love flossing, I I hate it. I hate it so much. I never do it. It's like one of those things where you know, after you eat, um, if I have something stuck in my teeth, I cannot do anything else. I I gotta get rid of it. 
I get that. I, I do get that. That's, you know, if something's stuck in my teeth, I definitely got to find a toothpick well, or something. But that's valid. Yeah. I, I think the, the issue that people have with flossing too is that it hurts your gums and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But then oh, also, yeah. if, if you do it regularly, though, it's fine. Yeah, I, I do it after. Uh, yeah, oh, I do it after. I do it after every meal. All right, so you're good. The rest of us just yeah, have like smart. no tolerances. Yeah, I... We we try this shit once and we're like, oh no, thank you. Again. I've got but... mad gingivitis <laughs> probably. So oh well. Uh, uh... Humble brag, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, just kidding. No, that's that. Okay, so that's a good one. Um, okay, moving on. We have talked a lot about baseball, and baseball is your thing. But do you have a favorite non-baseball sport? Uh, American football. Mm-hmm. Really? Who are you a fan of? Like, what's your what's your team? Uh, the Washington Football Squadron. Oh, are you? You're watching, man. You like? I'm sorry. You, yeah, I was gonna say that sucks. I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're I mean, the to be a fan of. <laughs> I mean, I believe in I believe in Ron Rivera. So, uh, hey, you know what? Ron. I think Ron Rivera was a great hire. I I really do. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Washington has a pretty decent squad. It's the quarterback position that they need to figure out because you got some solid receivers. The mm-hmm. offensive yeah, line is, is is yeah Terry McLaurin's great. Um, the offensive line is is workable, like it's not amazing, but it's also not terrible. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's not like it's the Chargers or anything. And then, um, and then the defense is really good. I mean, man, Jonathan Allen and Chase Young on the defensive line, Montez and then Sweat. Montez Sweat. You got Ryan Drum Kerrigan Payne. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kerrigan's a free agent now. Oh, Kerrigan is a free agent. That's right. Um, so, I mean, so was it? Doesn't really anymore. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, uh, you're right. I was just going to ask: Was it just being in going to Maryland that made you a Washington fan? Um, yeah. Um, so uh, you know how I mentioned that for like the first several years of being in America, I just didn't really watch football at all. I was in Baltimore area, and sometimes I would watch Ravens games because, like, I think it was around 2008 that that Joe Flacco was the uh, yeah. rookie quarterback, mm-hmm. and they were actually pretty good. Yeah. Um. Not, they were like they were good, just not good enough to beat the Steelers at playoff games. So, you know, yeah. I had a lot of <laughs> don't don't uh, remind me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like I, I remember going to a, a Super Bowl party, like when I was in high school. I think it was the Steelers, um, Cardinals one. You know. Oh yeah, Antonio Holmes. Yeah. yeah, Larry. Yeah, Bell. yeah. And, yeah. and it was you know it was the party was like. I think it was like 99% Ravens fans and like there was like one Steelers fan in the party. And there's always before, one fly in the ointment. <laughs> and when the uh I think it was like maybe like a, a minute and a minute or two before the game ended um Larry Fitzgerald had the touchdown to give the Cardinals lead. Like entire place exploded. And then, you know, it just all went silent besides that one person who was a Steelers fan when Santonio Holmes made that touchdown happen yeah but, yeah ravens ravens fans have two favorite teams the ravens and whoever's playing against the steelers and they always the will that, yeah I, I will put i will say this about the steelers they were the first um i guess like they're the they're a team that has the player that every korean knows who they are who it is and every korean knows who heinz heinz ward is mm-hmm. oh one of the other are there any other Korean American NFL players of note? Uh Young Hui Koo. Young Hui Koo, of mm. course. Yes. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, Young yeah. Hui Koo. Yeah, Young Hui Koo. Uh, 
the thing is that like NFL is not really mark it's not really a thing in Korea, not really marketed at all. Sure. But sure. um Heinz Ward, um when he so Heinz Ward became like a national hero of sorts when he won the uh, Super Bowl MVP after you know the Steelers beat the Seahawks in oh oh six, yeah. 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 And you know, he got invitation to Korea, he got like a honorary soul citizenship thing and a medal and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I think no one really knew who Heinz Ward was until then. But you know, I guess winning the MVP out the uh, biggest football game out there is yeah, that'll pre- do pre- it. prestigious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but, so that's still though that doesn't quite answer the question. Why? Why then the the Washington, yeah. not Baltimore? Yeah, yeah. Good, uh, um, yeah. Um, so it was 2012 when I kind of started to really pay attention to football. 2012 was a really exciting year for both Baltimore RG3, and DC. Yeah. yeah and oh, yeah. I just well, to, yeah. I, yeah. Maryland, Maryland campus is right, like, happens to be like 20 minutes away from the uh, uh, FedEx field. And, yeah. You know, I, I didn't, I hadn't watched a lot of football before then, but I had not seen anyone like RG3 in NFL before. Like, he was a lot just, of fun to watch. I just thought that quarterbacks just kind of like step back and throw. But RG3 did both throwing and running. That was like, that was something really electric to watch. And oh, it made it look so cool. Oh, the yeah, first, he, he, yeah. Yeah. The first NFL game that I ever went to was also that year. And get this, it was actually the uh, Ravens Washington football team. That was a drum, that was a dramatic game. That was the game where RG3 oh, had that a was collision. where RG3. Oh, dude, wait, you were at that game? Yeah, that, that I was, was at that game too. Yeah, that just happened to be, to be my first NFL game. That's so. I funny. don't know this yeah, game. Was, so, man, tell me about so, it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah. So, uh, long story short, um, it was like it was twenty eight Ravens twenty, the football team, <laughs> in like late fourth <laughs> quarter. So so RG three had to lead the drive to the Ravens territory to tie the game, and he had a scramble and when he was sliding he had a collision with Holori Nara of all people on, on his uh, very large dude <laughs> yeah and i think it was his right knee so and he was in pain after the collision it was like the yeah the like the air just got sucked out of the place immediately when he was hurt so you know when that happened like kirk cousins was immediately just throwing on the sidelines to get ready People were just sad and just like really in shock on yeah. what was going on. And you know, RG three, he played like a couple more steps after that happened, but he just couldn't play it. He just couldn't do anything anymore. So yep. Kirk Cousins, um, they got to the uh, Ravens' uh, uh, red zone, and it was like a third down or something. And he scrambled out of the pocket and drew a perfect strike to Pierre Garcon in the end zone for a touchdown. And then on the two point play, um, Kirk Cousins, uh just ran up the middle to get the two points. So the game tied and then yep. he went to overtime and I forget which, um, which um, kick returner it was, but one of the Washington kick returner had a big return on the uh, Sam, Sam Cook punt. And then that set up really well for the field goal. And then Washington won the game. It was, it was, it was incredible. Yep. Yeah. As uh, me and my brother, we were there as uh, two Ravens fans in Ravens jerseys who were uh, talking a lot of trash to the surrounding Washington fans 
I very clearly remember that Baltimore lost that game, uh, as the surrounding Washington fans did not let me forget. <laughs> the I mean, I mean, y'all won lost. the you guys won the Super Bowl that year, so we yeah. did win the Super Bowl. So you know, it works out. It worked out pretty well. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and, was that's so funny. We were both at that same game. That's so funny. So and 2013, 2014, 2013, I was the uh, internet, you know, at the uh, local, you know, sport, mm. local radio and. Um, Washington shut the bed that year. Like they brought back RJ three when he was clearly not oh, ready. Ruined his career, terrible. Yeah. And Shanahan, Shanahan, I had no idea what was going on between Shanahan and Snyder that year. So that was also a thing. So they fired Shanahan and they brought in Jay Gruden to you know, try to turn RJ three into a pocket passer, and that did not that did not work out in twenty fourteen. And twenty fourteen, I was I was interning for um what they what it used to be the uh, Comcast Sportsnet, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of uh like you know you know who Brian Mitchell is? I I know the name. Wait, yeah. The baseball player? No, uh, he was a former <laughs> Washington Washington uh wide receiver slash kick uh, returner. Yes, yes, I yeah. know that Brian yeah. Mitchell too. <laughs> so Brian Brian Mitchell was one of the one of our analysts at the studio. And there was this one time I think Washington lost the game against the Buccaneers, and this is like the Buccaneers before they drafted Jameis Winston, so they were pretty terrible. Yeah, Josh Johnson, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Josh Freeman, so, excuse me. Josh Freeman. So Washington yeah. lost to Buccaneers like really bad, and Brian Mitchell had this huge rant in the studio live about how players didn't care, the coaches didn't care, how the ownership didn't care, Bruce Allen, Bruce Allen didn't care. It was a sight to watch. That was like that kind of suckitude. I would, I was. Put it that way. Socket to just like <laughs> yeah, make me yeah. empathize with the fan base and the team more. And uh, when 20, 2015 rolls around, I didn't have any internship that had to do with the uh, Washington football team at the time. You know, I just decided to just like read more about football and just like really get into football and just like study football and see where it takes me to. And I was that was that that also happened happened to be the year when Washington hired um, Scott McClone and. Before they hired him, ESPN ran a huge story on Scott McLuhan on how he was doing after his alcohol problems and his stint with the 49ers and the Seahawks. And just knowing that he was the architect of all the of the championship-worthy teams in San Francisco and Seattle, that just made me really excited for how he would do what he would do at the team in Washington. And 2015, they actually drafted some really good talents. Um, Brendan Scherf, um, mm, Jameson yeah. Crowder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there were there were a few more about them, but you know they also brought in some interesting free agents. But the thing is that I think the main thing is that they identified Kirk Cousins as the uh, long time starter that season, and yeah. they just stuck with it. And you know Washington ended up winning the division that year, and I was like, wow, this is actually really fun. So that made me even a bigger Washington fan. And obviously, um, Scott McLellan had some trouble with the uh, front office. I don't know exactly what it was. So that was a shame. That really turned me off a little bit. And they also really bought the uh, Kirk Cousins contract situation. That was also not yeah, really something that I was happy with. And uh, 2018, I kind of like denounced my fandom for a little bit because it was just, just the team's Bruce Allen's incompetence was some, something that oh, I just it couldn't was believe. awful. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. But but once they brought once they brought Jason, Mr. Jason Wright and on Ron Rivera to the organization and I was paying attention to what they were doing. I was like, okay, maybe this team might go places with, with, with like a more competent leadership. So mm-hmm. uh, last, this past season, um, 
uh, despite COVID and all the kind of stuff going on, um, it was fun, it was really fun to watch the young uh, Washington team, um, you know, make the uh, make a seven and nine playoff run. Yeah, I say, oh, you're oh the only. God. You're the. You might have been the only person who enjoyed watching the NFC this last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. But, no, I mean, I. Yeah, yeah, I, I've always kind of root. They've always kind of been like my second team because, like, I, you know, in AFC and NFC between them and the Ravens, there's no reason right. I can't root for them unless they're playing each other in a Super Bowl. And um, <laughs> I just laughed at the thought of Baltimore and Washington playing in a Super Bowl. <laughs> no, that, that's um, my dream. I would love for that. That would be pretty in my sweet. Lifetime. But yeah. no, I mean that that Washington team, like I mean Chase Young's going to be a problem for quarterbacks for a long time. That dude is, Arbor when, is tense. Yeah, Arbor when Chase Young was like a you know DMV prospect out of a I think he's from Demessa something like that. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, and he was a five star blue chip prospect. Like uh, I remember when he was in high school, and Maryland had a new head coach. Um, he who shall he who shall not be named, DJ Durkin. <laughs> Wow. And when DJ Durkin first stepped in, uh, he was like on a recruiting streak, and Chase Young was one of the priorities. But um, he ended up going to Ohio State, and it was it was probably for the best for Chase Young. Dude, Maryland has always been so bad at recruiting for basketball and football within its own state. I mean, like yeah. basketball, especially PG County, Prince George's County, Maryland, is like a hotbed of NBA talent. There's a lot yeah. of NBA guys who have come from PG County and the and the I surrounding mean, area. Kevin Durant. Is Kevin Durant, one. exactly. But I mean, you get a lot of those guys. I mean, shoot, uh, Carmelo is from Baltimore. It just uh, AI is from the. AI, yeah, he went to my yeah. rival high school. Hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what? I want to ask about this too. I saw this a tweet of yours the other day. Did you go to high school with uh, with Kyle Fuller? Yeah, I did. That. Huh. I, I'm a huge Bears fan, so that just sounds like, oh, that's funny. What was he? Yeah, was he Kyle like, and I are actually. Um, we never, we were never, never really like buddy buddies because we were in like very different social groups. Like he was, you know, he was one of the jocks, and I was like, I mean, I was an Asian kid taking honors classes at high school, so you know. But I remember seeing him around, and I knew that he was a multi multi athlete. He did track, he did basketball, he did football. He couldn't, you know, there was nothing that he couldn't do, you know. Um, I just didn't. I just didn't know that he was gonna be that good of an athlete when he grew up because he was not really big. Hmm. Like he was maybe just barely taller than me in high school. And when I heard that he got a full scholarship to Virginia Tech, I was like, "Oh, wow, that's pretty cool." <laughs> and then four years later, he became a first rounder in an NFL draft. I was like, "Holy!" <laughs> <laughs> I love to yeah, see that happen. That's wild. Um. All right. So, anyways. Let's let's move forward. I would like to ask. This is a question that we we also ask everybody, and one day we're going to get a good answer. Maybe it's today. Sungmin, have you ever seen a ghost, or have you ever had something happen to you that you could not explain? Um, it's okay if the answer is no. I had I had a I, I had a day for senior prom. That's something that I can explain. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think that's still the best answer we've gotten so far. That's a great. That's great. I love that. that no, seriously, I had. I mean, in high school, I was like a. I was like a full out, like a. I was, and I was like, I was like two forty pounds, obese Asian kid, um, going to an all boys Catholic school. So you know, yeah, your guess is as good as mine on how I even <laughs> got a date to go to a senior prom list. Hey, beautiful now. You were beautiful then. 
How about that? That's right. That's, that's right. Beauty does internal beauty does not change. Nor that's right. Uh, ben, you can always you can you can ask um Alex how I looked and how I was back in freshman years of freshman year. Well, he told so. me he told me that you went on a uh, and we can talk a little bit about this. He told me that you went on a pretty big weight loss journey. Uh, yeah. Over the over the past few years, if you want to, yeah, if you want to talk a little bit about that, I'd be I'd love to hear it. What kind of inspired that? Yeah. So, um, I mean. I did my first big weight weight loss weight loss um my freshman year of college. Um, I, when I was growing up, I was always like a fat obese kid, like legit obese. I think I was like up to two fifty pounds, like high school in high school. Like I think you know there there were kids who tell me that I should play lineman at football team. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't. I, I said no because I had no idea how to play football back back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and um. The thing is that in high school, I went to all boys high, Catholic high school, so I wasn't really that conscious about my looks or anything like that. And uh, before the senior year of high school, actually, um, I went to like a summer camps at, you know, what Micah, like Maryland Institute of College of Arts. I went to a, I went to a camp there, and I went also took a young scholars class at Maryland campus, and met some met some girls there, um, which. Like and then I just became really, really self-conscious. So senior year, I kind of, I guess, like I kind of managed to lose weight, but because I was still living at home and I didn't really have a full control of my diet, um, I was still quite chunky when I was going to college. So I was, I think, I was like two twenty pounds, like literally, like right at two twenty pounds when I got into college, and you know, um, going from a all boys Catholic high school to like a gigantic public university, that's a, it's a culture shock. That is a culture shock. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Became really self-conscious. Um, wanted to lose weight and everything, so I started to count calories like crazy. Um, I bought this book called "Eat This, Not That," which is actually, which actually kind of works. It just like the principle is just counting calories and yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Bel Air dorm, which I lived in a freshman year, it happened to be right by the school gym. So oh, that's nice. Yeah, I went there every day for like ellipticals or um, just running or lifting some weights, and I went from two twenty to like one hundred seventy one my freshman year. Wow, that's impressive! And, but towards the end of towards the end of it, I was I was kind of like going about losing weight not not the healthiest way. Yeah. Like I was like kind of like intentionally starving myself sometimes, and you know that kind of stuff. So I wanted to eat more and. You know, feel better, so that's why I started to do start to uh, lift weight. So sophomore year to graduation, like I was lifting weight a lot. Actually, like I used I used to be able to deadlift four hundred pounds. Straight bar. Feels like a, Whoa. Um, deadlift straight bar. Straight bar or hex bar? Out of curiosity. Oh, straight bar. Straight Word. Bar. That is impressive. Shit. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wasn't know. about to like diminish you if it was the hex bar or anything, but like <laughs> that's actually seriously impressive. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 for real. No, I, I was, and then um, once I graduated college, um, didn't have as much time or energy to you know lift that much weight anymore, and especially when I went back to Korea, um, I was living with my parents for a little bit, and then gained more, gained more weight, and then. Also, food's much cheaper in Korea, so it was much easier to eat more here. Um, and especially when I got to start writing and then live alone and just like 
just do my own thing. I, I just didn't really watch my diet. So I think I think um when I was when I was working for the Lotte Giants, I I went back to around like two twenty, two ten range. I was definitely chunky um like a year and a half ago. So and I was like, you know what? I should I should start losing weight again and it was around March last year when COVID was starting to be a huge thing in Korea. So some of us start had had to work, you know, from home for a little bit. And I knew that um if I don't move as much and if I still if I just kinda of stay at home all the time, like I'm gonna risk, you know, gaining more weight. So I just decided yep. to um just decided to um watch my diet more, uh run outside just by myself when I can. And that's how I got started and then yeah, I was I went from like two ten to um right now I'm like comfortably at one forty seven. Wow, that's and, really impressive. Yeah. So, that so kind this of... is a, uh, this is the lattice that I've been since in middle school. Wow. So I guess that kind of goes into the next question I was gonna ask is um and can see the COVID experience is considerably considerably different in in your part of the world than it is here. Um nonetheless, I, I'm curious since our lives have changed so much over the past uh over the past year plus, is there anything that you've become more more thankful for, or something you enjoy more, or just more appreciative of since since all this stuff came down on us? Uh, yeah, that I'm um, that's a great question. Wow, and I have a might have a different answer than you might expect. Um, so when I first came back to Korea, um, Korea is definitely more of a Group, group think, group oriented society. Mm-hmm. Um, not as not like things that are like emphasized in America, like individualism. It doesn't really fly as much here. You can get me going uh, on a tangent for an hour about that stuff. Yeah, have to go there. <laughs> and you know, like I was basically American when I first came back, and I was I kind of like had my own identity. And when I went into streets in Seoul, like a lot of people were like wearing. The same kind of clothes they were playing the same kind of games on their phones um it just kind of felt like everyone was kind of like a cookie cutter here mm-hmm. um i didn't really like that at first and i guess i still don't i still feel like people have their own individualism individualistic on um, quality that they should um flaunt at times but i guess the part of the um the group think um group oriented um thought that benefited a lot is that once COVID protocols were announced slash installed by the government last year, like a lot of people were, were on board, like washing your hands, uh, wearing masks in public, all that kind of stuff. Like people were generally very um, obedient of those those uh, regulations, I would say. And you know, I haven't really been to the U.S. in several years, so I don't know how it's been in America. Uh, I, I would my, say my... not great. Um... <laughs> So I, while people in, uh, it sounds like people in Korea were very, uh, like you said, obedient to the coronavirus countermeasures, uh, people in the United States were not quite as much. There's been a whole lot of uh, shouting about uh, trampling our liberties and my freedom to not wear a mask if I so choose and blah, because blah, blah. Because we all are individuals, you know. We're individuals, and I and by uh, God, I have a freedom to not wear a mask no, if I so. Oh man, it's been been pretty gross. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a cultural difference. I mean, Korea's. Oh, yeah. I mean, that group think 
group-oriented thought has its downfalls. Like, Korea is a very homogenous society, like not just in terms of thoughts, but also racially. So I think people, and also like in like diversity, there's not a lot of diversity here. And mm-hmm. um, it's really easy, easy to stand out both in good and bad way. Um, mm-hmm. I would say like people are, here are general, generally um, not as open to like, you know, me, like people of different race or different, um, different um, thought or different um, sexuality or anything like that. Uh, which um, I wish was some, much different than that. Like, you know, but, and in America, I guess like at least pe- pe- among people that I hang out with in America, like people are definitely more open towards people of different backgrounds and stuff like that. It's kind of yeah. hard. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to do that here because especially me, because I look Korean, but if I look like one of you guys, um, you know, people will understand more that, that I have a different background as them, but I look Korean. I have a Korean passport citizenship that kind of stuff. So um, it's not as easy for me to get by with that going around, going around here, but um, at, at least in America, but at least like that kind of um, homog- homogeneity kind of works in terms of like getting everyone into the same page when there's like an action to be taken. So it's a, yeah. it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an interesting um, conundrum we got here. Yeah, I will say, I will say generally speaking, uh, Americans have been wearing masks in public and adhering to these coronavirus countermeasures. I would say the majority of Americans. Now, when you say the majority, that still means there are millions of Americans who do not care at all. But I would say generally the the polling that I've seen has been around like masks it, around 85% or so of Americans are saying they consistently wear masks out in public. I think Folks a lot of lying. them are doing it well. Folks yeah, are lying. Ain't no maybe. way it's 85%. Like, look, I live in Chicago. I live in damn near, like one of the most you know, liberal cities in the country where everyone's supposed to be following. Ain't no one wearing a mask. Like, no, they're well, lying. It, it that, ain't 85%. That, <laughs> that, that I, I could definitely see that. I will say, I think there are probably plenty of people who are begrudgingly wearing masks. Like I shouldn't have to do this, but I have to because the government says, and I can't walk into this restaurant if I don't. But yeah, it's definitely been it hasn't been super great. But that's a great thing to be thankful for too, though, because I was yeah just thinking like I went to the White Sox game yesterday, and I actually they sent me a survey this morning about you know my game day experience and stuff, and I completely ripped them a new for not enforcing any of. I'm sitting in this section here with my two buddies who said also vaccinated. We're masked up the entire game, and I'm just looking around, and like not only is no like the second people sit down, they start ripping the mask off, and they're very vocal about complaining about like oh stupid rules and stuff. I'm vaccinated. I genuinely don't even feel safe around here right now. So I don't know. Just you're right. That can uh, all. All countries and all cultures have have their issues when it comes to when it comes to measures of difference and dealing with people that aren't normative in whatever the traditional, uh, however the traditional norms of any given society go. Uh, but yeah, no, that kind of collective collective attitude and kind of at a base level, like understanding of you know collaboration and collectivity and we are we are in this together to an extent so uh I yeah i can see myself yeah i would probably be thankful for that too if uh i was yeah that's a uh, that's a really that's here. really interesting <laughs> that's a really interesting answer um i would like to we're going to pivot to the final part of the show where right. we do uh what we call the full count which is where we were we will ask you for 
Yeah, three and two. Five. Five. We will ask you for a recommendation in each of five categories. All right. So what I always preface this is I, it does not have to be a really interesting, like fascinating or unique recommendation. Just whatever pops in your head. That's what I want to hear. So first category, what is a book that you would recommend? Um, Flowers for Al- Algernon. You know, I've never actually read it. I've heard great things about it. I've never. Zach, have you read it? I've not actually. As a lit yeah. major, I should have, but I didn't. Yeah. What is <laughs> yeah, it? What is it about Flowers for Algernon that you love? Um, I mean, th- there's obvious. I mean, you got. I assume you guys know the story of it. Um, the plot. Yeah. Um, I think what 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 really stood out to me is that not only there's a plot, but also like the 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 protagonist's writing style just like changes from the beginning to middle and then to the to the end. And that's also something that's very fascinating to you know uh, follow. And the story itself about a person whose life changes for the better, for for the better or the worse, or just but just life changes very significantly, and then just kind of like goes back to the the beginning. It just I don't know. There are some elements about sympathy for the protagonist and several characters surrounding. The protagonist and that's a good that's a good question i never really thought why i like the book so much um i mean I've, really... I've, yeah i've heard it's a great book so it, know, some, it, some of the best books i've ever read i've there's no words for it sometimes though it is just a feeling it leaves you with that's yeah um, kind of hard it's to very yeah, i mean progress i mean progress reports um the progress reports of a person um no matter what kind of progress report is um I think it's something that when you read it, you just kind of get invested to it because you always kind of think about how is this person going to progress or if is this person going to progress at all. Yeah. Um, that's some, that, that was an element that really drew me in, I guess, when I was reading it. And just having that clear differences day by day on how this person's, how Charlie Gordon is thinking from the beginning to the middle to the end. Um, it was fascinating, but also if you know the plot of it, quite heartbreaking at the same time. You know? Yeah. That's a great, that's a great recommendation out that I, I'll have to put that book higher on my priority list. Uh, okay. Recommendation number two is food. So that could be like food item, ingredient, restaurant, meal, dish, whatever, you know, food related. Do you want to be more specific or I don't know? I don't anything, know, like, anything you want. Like it literally could be first a thing meal, that pops your head, yeah. a meal that you would oh, recommend, yeah. a restaurant that you would recommend, whatever you want. I mean, if you if you're in America, just go to Five Guys. I miss this much, you know? dude. Five Guys is so good. That's that's, that's yeah. a great it, recommendation. I wish it didn't cost my entire bloody paycheck every time I would go there. You know? Is it really that yeah. bad? I feel like I never I really pay attention to it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, man, Five Guys is the best, and they just load you with an ungodly amount of fries, and it's just yeah. the best burger. And it's not just that; it's also. Like you get to see this kitchen and you get to see how fresh the ingredient yeah. is. Like they, they just they just have nothing to hide. Like you see where the potatoes are from, right there. And the thing is that the thing is that um they're pretty transparent about how they cook, what they make with. Um and from people that I know that work there, like they can attest to how fresh the ingredients are. Like 
you know, I mean, I know that it's not the cheapest um, burger franchise out there, but that's the price that I'm willing to pay for that quality. You know? Oh my that's God. It's, it's, and you know what? It's, it's certainly not healthy, it's but good. man, is it delicious. It's good. And they do Just the fact the that they do give you all of the toppings. They don't charge you extra for putting a million toppings on it is yep. a big point in their favor. Always appreciate. And the fact that they like give you enough fries to fill up the cup and then they're like, yeah, throw some more in the bag. And just they're, they're wonderful. I love them. Um, yeah, there are three franchises that I really miss that are not in Korea. Um, my five guys, one of them, Chick-fil-A, yep. the other, and um, uh, Chipotle, yeah. the other one. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So those are, those are three of the things that I'm, I'm looking forward to um, when I go back to Dude, America. I eat so much Chick-fil-A. I, yeah, I would definitely miss it too. Um, Next category, movies and or TV. What would you recommend? A recent, okay, yeah, this is, I guess some, there's a little bit of a recency bias going in here about, um, sure. I recently watched this, uh, it's a Japanese film called um, Love Letter. And mm-hmm. it's from 1995. Okay. Yeah, I don't think, um, I, I don't think I know it. Not familiar. It's, it's not really, a thing it's not really a piece of pop culture that's really well known in america um it got popular in korea and china in like the late 90s and 2000s but um so it's actually frequently referenced in korean pop culture as well but um never really watched it until like recently and then it wasn't it wasn't youtube movies so i just decided to buy a copy and just watch it and it's not the most intricate intricately um plot intricately written plot or anything like that but the the performances by the actors and actresses are pretty impressive and the soundtrack is amazing by the way soundtrack i mean you got mm. like it's one of my favorite soundtracks of all time Interesting. and um it's i think it just kind of like does really well for like a, a bit of a like a maybe like a low-key um romantic drama that it presents it to be like it's not it's not like it's not anything groundbreaking like fight club or um train spotting or anything like that but it's still like a movie that's kind of make your heart felt especially yeah in the absolutely it's kind of just kind of stays with you in your feels for a while yeah that's great. a great recommendation i'll have to check that out yeah but it would put all of really, these yeah. oh, go ahead sir but if you're not really in the mood for anything like that, I, I would recommend Train Spotting, one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, I'll take if you can understand the accents. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it can be hard to get through. That's definitely a movie to watch with uh, uh subtitles. Yeah, that's yeah. I love. So I've I've been recently watching a show about um an Irish show about you know two like it's a comedy like you know goofy coming of age TV show featuring kids from set from Cork in Ireland in the South of Ireland. And it's the accents are so strong that you straight up cannot understand them. And I think it's funny that people, when people think of the Brits and British accents and English accents, they think of tea and crumpets, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, that's why, that's why train spotting was one of my favorites too. I remember hearing that being like, Whoa, can I recommend a YouTube channel? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So my favorite YouTube channel by far is, it's a it's a youtube channel called that chapter and it's this mm-hmm. irish guy named mike and he looks into like a real life true crime cases like two <laughs> like two of them each week and um it's not not just the cases that he covers but also the way he presents the way he narrates each cases it's immaculate like 
he has a he has a good sense of humor and but he also knows when and when not to you know show he essential humor depending on the situation and yeah he just knows he just he just knows how to like narrate things and present things and it's a really it like once i started to watch that channel like i just kind of like went into like a like a big what's my call a wormhole something like that yeah yeah but, yeah, um, yeah and and That's he's awesome. done he's done enough amount of videos that you can just like get lost in the tunnel for like a week or something like that like it's pretty good dude it is so easy to get sucked down into a youtube like rabbit hole where you're just like rabbit falling, hole, yeah. and falling and falling through billions of videos and you're like it's been three hours and you're like yes. next thing you know you have a full beard and you're like what year is it <laughs> yeah but yeah that's anyway. my favorite youtube channel by far right now and mike is a really nice guy himself and I think they, they. I think he just recently hit a million subscribers, and nice. It's yeah. I I recommend you check it out if you have some time to yeah, waste. For sure. sure, I'll put that in the notes too. I put all of our yeah. recommendations here at the end in in the notes too. So, mm-hmm. um, what is the next one? Uh, music, music recommendation. You know, I was a cos radio DJ, so there's a lot that I can say here. Um, all right. <laughs> I don't know, like. Jeez, where do I even? I don't even know where to start here. Um, what's uh? I I would I know I totally understand like where it's like music. Like I get so much I would recommend. Just first thing that pops in your head, a band you've been really loving lately, uh, or a musician. You've recency been bias lately, is or, fine. Yeah, recency, yeah, recency bias. bias or totally or just an all time great. I mean, it, honestly, if you're just like the Beatles, it's okay. Like you can do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's a band that I've really. They're they're from. They're based on Brooklyn. I mean, just like a lot of bands out there, but um, I think Miss, there's a band called Mister Twin Sister and Twin. Yes, to, yes, yeah, they're great. They used to be called Twin Sisters, and uh, where do I start? Um, first of all, if you know the song "The Recipe" by Kendrick Lamar featuring Dr. Dre, yeah, um, mm-hmm. that song uses um one of oh. one of their one of the one of their songs of. Uh, Meet the meet the frownings as the sample uh, as the background music. I don't know. That's and cool. 2014, um, they came out with the self-titled album, Mr. Twin Sister, and great album. Very from very the start, good album. yeah, from the start to finish, like literally, like perfect. Like it's the texture is great, the songwriting is great, the vocals are great, the themes are great, the lyrics are great. Like, like I do not understand like why it didn't why it didn't get as much um. Uh, you know, media spotlight as it should have. Um, it's like you know, I listen to a lot of music in general, and that was like, that was like, um, that album is like that album has a is like a amalgam of a, a lot of really good things about different style of music. Yeah. Um. So, I guess like in terms of like, I haven't really just listened to the album recently, but just the first thing that I just came to mind, I guess. No, that's a fantastic a- recommendation. <laughs> That's a great deep pull. That self-titled album yeah. is well worth your yeah. well worth a listen. Yeah, I so in twenty fourteen, um, after the album came out, they opened for um, Julian Casablancas and the Voids. Oh tour. yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I applied for a press pass so I can you know, interview um, the, um, Mr. Twin Sister. So you know, I got to nine thirty club, and after. The voids were done. Um, I got to go to the backstage and talk to those guys, and you know they were oh, that's great. Awesome. And 
I saw them several more times later. I, I actually went to Pitchfork Music Festival in 2015 in Chicago. Ah, that's a classic. Wait, yeah. Pitchfork 2015? I might have been there too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I went I went there. Um, Mystic Twin Sister had a set there, and they also played in an after show at the Lincoln, Lincoln Hall. When, and they actually opened for Ariel, Ariel Pink. But Ooh, um, yeah. No, I didn't really. I didn't really. I actually didn't see Ariel Pink. I just wanted to see Mr. Twin Ariel Pink. Ariel Pink's a weird. Like, I like his music, but he is also like a horrible human being. So, yeah. From I mean, what, from what I, I've heard, I, what, what I used to hear is that he's just a he's just a he's just an asshole. He's just kind of like a douchebag. But um, well, I've can, also there's also he some, could really like, write songs. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's some also some I think some sexual assault allegations out there about yep. Ariel Pink, which yep, are mostly. yeah. Yeah, he's not a great dude. Some great music, but not a great yeah. dude. But yeah, I went there for um, Mr. Twin Sister. Like as soon as they were done with the set, I just went to the backstage and hung out with the um, the singer Andrea Estella. Um, Estella, Andrea Estella. Um, she's 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 really nice. Um, will take her time to talk to you. And what was that? She was also in the uh, Veronica Mars movie. Funny enough. But that's that's a <laughs> fact. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess okay. In terms of recency bias, I would say I I I'm in a big K-pop kick right now. I'm discovering stuff that Korean people enjoyed like years ago. <laughs> there's this, and there's this song called. It's a band. This band doesn't exist anymore, but it's called Orange Caramel. Orange Caramel and yeah, and there's this song called Catal- Catalina. Yeah, I uh, I yeah. am I am completely yeah. unfamiliar with 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 that genre entirely. So <laughs> we will it's, have it's to fine. check it out. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, mean, yeah. I would recommend by at least just watch the music video. Mm. Yeah, because for sure. it it's it's one of the uh, wackiest and kind of out there music videos that I've ever seen, not just in K-pop but also like in general. Um, That's cool. That's so good. orange caramel it was three three girls um three girl k-pop three girls is a k-pop group of three girls and um they kind of like pushed the boundaries of their stylistic like they kind of like borrowed a lot from the uh like a different asian culture like they had a chinese chinese style k-pop song they had like a japanese style k-pop song and catalina in particular it, it's uh it's it is from the um the tune is from uh, like a punjabi folk song Hmm. So yeah, huh. so, the, so so the music itself in the song has a bit of a Indo Indian disco style to it. Hmm. Huh. And, oh man, and, I uh, good. Yeah, that's and the music video is um, it's really out there. It's about um, it's it's a how do I put this? It's it's a it's sushi themed music video. Su- huh. Sushi themed. Did you hear that? Right? Yeah. Word. So, I was sushi. I- Sushi theme music video, yeah. Um, I was I was just saying the other day. I think it was oh, it was with regards to the um the Lil Nas X video that just came out. Um, um, Montero. I don't know if either of you guys saw that. Call me by your name. Um, and I was oh, just I thinking, oh uh, yeah, you got to see that, Ben. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, I know uh, I and I, I was just thinking though how like music videos are just not quite as creative as they used to be because they used to be such a powerful and important and ubiquitous medium for getting artists and getting songs out there and that's not 
so much the case anymore. But I was watching the other day, like I went on YouTube, I was watching the video for um for Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. And I was like, man, this stuff was so great. Like, this is real. Like, the creativity yeah. that you know is coming from the artists themselves. Well, too. the creative you know, direction there is. You like, know what I feel killed like the? Like... You know what killed the music video? In my opinion, is uh, hair metal, because <laughs> what hair metal did in the '80s and early '90s was their music video was uh, them playing on stage, and that was it. It was every every Bon Jovi video, every Motley Crue video, yeah, every you know Tesla, White Lion, you name it. I and I the, I say this as someone who loves hair metal more than anybody should. Um, yeah, that was every music video was just them on stage. I mean, the the closest thing you got to was like if they did a song for a movie, like when Rat did Dream Warriors for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, three, in which uh, still. You had Rat defeating uh, Freddy Krueger with the power of hair metal, which great music yeah. video if you ever seen it. Uh, it's just it's wonderful. It's a delight. Uh, but yeah, watching, so after I, that, it's I'm watching this video now. I'm sorry. I'm just Dream like, Warriors. Yeah, 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 please no, please do no. Um, cat, oh. orange, orange car. Catalina. I, I'm not. I can't. I, and the sound is muted, but like that almost makes it better. I'm just imagining what's going on here. It's <laughs> I will like, definitely have this to check that out. This is great radio, I'm sure. <laughs> Please, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. You know, you weren't someone. You were not. You were not lying. That's a great. <laughs> no, yeah. There's like no better way to um describe it, describe this video because it, it literally is sushi themed. Yeah, there's they're bathing in in the soy sauce <laughs> as as I speak or dipping their feet in at least. Oh All right, my God. Yeah. All right. I'll definitely have to be watching that very soon. And, yeah. <laughs> but, okay. This this came out in 2014, and I think mm-hmm. it was like one of those things where they might have been a little bit ahead ahead of the time for more people to appreciate, oh. but they were still pretty big. Yeah, and they've even wow, they've got like the outfits coordinated to look like actual fish and stuff. That's see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I was talking about. I love this. I'm about to go down a whole rabbit hole of like K-pop music videos now. <laughs> so, before, best of, before we best do that. of luck on that one. Uh, yeah, before right, well, we, we do wanna, that. Leah, let's get to the final category. The final category. But, be, but before that, oh, I will yeah, say yeah. that I, go ahead. I, I had a gig, and when I was when I was in DC, I I used to DJ K-pop at like a like club like a clubs in New Street. Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother that's, that's a whole nother story but um yeah yeah it was like it was like me and like three other american friends like i would like i think they just kind of added me as like to add like a korean cred but um, you know i got to, but you know i got to go to backstage i got to get like drink tickets at being a performer and it was fun that's amazing that sounds awesome um all right so the final category in which we will ask for a recommendation the category is miscellaneous miscellaneous so anything from your life i know it sounds complicated it sounds difficult but it's not anything from your life a an activity uh, a gadget uh just uh, something that you do a practice whatever literally anything that you would recommend to other people i've always found the first thing that pops in your head no matter how dumb or weird it might sound that's the one i don't know like on this on this if you are on this if you're married go on tinder <laughs> go on that's Tinder. That's my favorite one that's, so far. That's a good one. That's a good one. Why, go, yeah, why one. go on Tinder? I mean, I know the Tinder. Like, it's very obviously it's a very super, superficial thing, but 
um i haven't been on tinder for a while but i was like on and off between 2014 and i guess last year depend depending on my dating situation but um like it really got me to think about how i present myself not just like online but also offline like how does the pictures that i put on tinder like match how i actually present myself in uh, mm. like in in person how does how i describe myself in my bio like like come out like sound sound like because i was i was always i've always been one of the people like who write who wrote like a little bit of a paragraph about myself not never i was never really a big fan of like putting nothing on bio yeah yeah, yeah. um i also like to thought a lot about like because like guys are always expected to be the people like you know that start the conversation like oh it's always kind of like made me just not really be not not really be as nervous and just like or try to like not be nervous and just like you know break the ice and just just try to make a conversation based on what I can infer from other person's profile. Huh. And That's I think really interesting. I think it genu- like it genuinely did um I guess made me like a better communicator, better like not as awkward when I'm meeting a person for the first time depending yeah, yeah, on yeah. In, in different contexts like not just when I'm meeting someone from Tinder but also in real life, you know. Yeah. Um huh. And also like I guess like how to read both. <laughs> but seriously, though. yeah, 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 yeah no, for sure. It's facts. Because sure. when you, facts. because when you're like talking to someone for the first time online, like there's a lot of like you know, it you gotta really give them or the best impression of yourself, and sometimes there's a lot of bullshit in it. So, you, know, you got you got to know how to read. You gotta you gotta know how to read it, and I I don't know how to like inst- like instruct a person on how to read bullshit, but I think it's something that you can learn intuitively through those experiences. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's no, that's, that's great. a great answer. I love I'm, that. I'm like really genuinely sad that that came at like hour two hours and thirty two minutes <laughs> right, <laughs> to right. the podcast. That was such a great line. That's, no, that's, that might be my favorite. Brilliant. That might be my personal favorite uh, full count answer we've gotten so far. That's, so, that's and, brilliant. And honestly, like I met, I actually made some. I actually made some friends from there as well. Like, like I know that 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 might be a little sad to say, but um. No, no like, I've I've heard of like, people using Tinder to find friends. I that yeah, is absolutely yeah, sure. thing. And it's also totally I feel like that's totally normal when you can start out talking to somebody with some kind of like flirtatious or romantic intent and then it doesn't really work out, but you end up being friends. That's really yeah, normal. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been the case for me for a lot of the times in Korea because um um yeah, you know in Korea you have a lot of people who just came from America hmm. that don't know anyone in Korea, so they they go on Tinder as like one of those uh, last ditch effort to find someone to talk to. Yeah, yeah. And I have a, I have a friend that I actually met on Tinder. Um, her, her name is Hannah, and she's a she's like she's like a she's from Atlanta area, big Bulldogs fan, Braves fan, or whatever. And yeah. I met her like three years ago through Tinder, and we ended up being pretty good friends. We ended up going to a lot of baseball games together because she's also really into sports. And um, yeah we still keep in touch and that's awesome there's also a lot of a few few more people that i stayed in touch with and throughout being friends and all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah. but i wouldn't say i wouldn't really recommend tinder to everyone else i wouldn't say i mean even if you're not married or in a relationship yeah not me i've as as someone who's been (laughs) married since 2012 i never got to try out the tinder thing so that's fine but but if you're 
if you're single or if you just want to make friends or if you want to kind of like i would recommend it to someone who not necessarily looking for dating or interaction with you know romantic interest like it's something that i would recommend to someone who's maybe willing to like break out of their boundaries and just talk to mm. people online obviously like just be careful too because um there have been stories of pretty bad uh tinder experiences um i remember the um 2018 grace malane case from us from new zealand um which is pretty sad but yeah just just be safe but at the same time you know if you want to challenge yourself yeah i will say be careful in in chicago there's been (laughs) there's been a string of robberies if you like uh right down the street here where this crew of folks they lure people to this corner to a corner of this block via tinder and then oh, wow. they, like they say, oh yeah, like come in, like you know, and they flare and they come in, there's they rob them, and it's oh, like it's God. it's terrible, but it's also kind of funny because I've seen it pop up in the news, like you, you know, I read the the papers like now, like in the morning, see what's on the front page, um, because I'm an old man at heart, but uh, <laughs> online, but it's funny, like you go through some of the sections and you see the same descriptions where it's like you know, uh, you know, man was was robbed on the corner of so and so and so and so, he said he went there with the intention of meeting somebody that he had communicated with on a on a dating app and, and then four people jump out of a car and rob you. <laughs> that Jeez. is not, that is not the typical Tinder story, of course. No, uh, no, that, no. But it's just crazy how people do that though, how people use it oh like that sometimes. It's uh, yeah. not to like, I, I feel like, I'm sorry. I feel like that just completely threw a damper on your, no, 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 on no. your, on your no, entire I mean, thing. I think it's, 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 just, I think it's, it's a very, but I think it's, it's, I think it's definitely the right thing to be wary of that. And be just, be just aware, gotta, yeah. Yeah, just, just keep up with the news and, keep your bullshit detector on like i remember Absolutely. like 2014 or so um there was this thing where um you you get matched with a girl and the girl will will, will uh lure the guys to bring a bunch of a uh, pizza to their place and just kick them out that was like a thing oh, in dc yeah oh my god and, but, but i already but i already had seen the news about it so never really fell victim to it yeah yeah that's nuts. But no, Tinder, that's a great, great recommendation and a great way to end this. So uh, so to wrap this up, uh, Sungmin, I, again, I just want to thank you so much for being here on the podcast. It has been a blast spending the past two and a half hours talking with you, getting to know you, talking a lot about KBO and baseball and everything. And it's been uh, really awesome. So thank you so much for for joining us it's been it's been an honor and a joy thanks yeah. thanks for having me um make sure yeah. you guys ben make sure you watch the video that i sent you sent yes the private so I, I, have, I have the tab i have the tab open it is the first thing i'm going to do after we're done yeah but um right. but yeah anyways thank <laughs> you again for joining us yeah. and uh yeah we'll yeah. talk to you soon